Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Monday. It's a fast. Oh, oh, we're ever led a show with the lineup game? I'm sure we have, right? No, Anthony, today is a first. Today, sure it is, but not today. today. All right. All right, there we I'm go. I'm still trying to unscrew my headphones here. We're all, there we go. Now I can hear. All right, so tonight, boy, I'm, I am so unsettled. As people know, I mean, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a NASCAR car change here in between shows. Oh, it's craziness. I am it's crazy set up. BK and Ferrario and Tanner, they like just take forever. Oh, yeah. To, they like to talk to they us. They want to talk yeah. and they don't exit out of their screens. And then BK leaves his Twitter up. So I always have to post something right, on his right. Twitter page. Yeah. You know. Is he the one always posting about you saying, I love Jamie Rivers? Yeah, he says, I That's really nice. miss working with Jamie Rivers. Happened just two Fridays ago. That's, That's you? Really that, nice. that does no, that? no, that was him. Oh, okay. That was him. Yeah, I gotcha, post gotcha. other stuff. Yeah. I don't like how they don't. Abide by our rules of not looking at us straight in the eye sometimes. Eh? Yeah. We got to resend out that memo. Well, that was the first step. Then it was like, don't even talk to us. And right. Now they, they yeah. continue to try. Ferrario mm-hmm. walked right into the wall yeah. one time. He was so afraid of looking Jamie right in the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he should. Mm-hmm. And he you should. notice he left right away today. Yeah. 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 yeah well All right, guys. Let's get. Let's get locked in, okay? Okay. Who do we? Uh, let's see here. Who's on the bump against Merrill us today? Kelly? Nah, right not Merrill. Merrill Kelly, Yo, a right-hander RHP, huh? for the Arizona Diamondbacks. All right. Six forty-five so... start time at Bush Stadium. He'll oppose the one and only Jack, the Joker Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah. All right. So I don't think there's any reason to change things up, Jamie. I think we uh, we go Donovan right out of the gates. Yeah. Show me, Donovan. Donovan? Hello? Wow, he made us wait right, right away there. Well, Marshy wasn't the only one not set up yet. Mm. Did, okay. Okay, so Burleson fouls, Burleson fouls the pitch off of his leg yesterday. He's removed from the game. That's going to affect his running, Anthony. It was not supposed Yeah, no kidding. It was not supposed to be a major injury, though. Is he back in the lineup or no? What's your thoughts? Uh, I, s- I think it's no. I think the Newt is here at you said two. Newt here. Newt, two, I have a very specific thought in my mind. Okay. I'm thinking Go that uh, I think Burley might be out of today's game. Jamie? Yeah. I'm going to ride with you on this first major decision. Show me the Newt. There it is. You're wrong. Oh. Okay, so okay. I I think, Jamie. Yeah, go ahead. That you're, is you're Burleson. Well, okay, go ahead. 
I'm, well, I'm let, with you. I'm not being a jerk. Okay. All right. Yeah. Show us, show us that Alec Burleson. You hit the nail on the head. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, this would be uh, our our good buddy, friend of the show. Though we've never had him on. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Sorry, guys. Wow. Wow. He benched Goldie. I like it. Send him like, a message. Didn't like that three. 18 batting average or whatever he's got. Okay. Um, like does he it. move Nolan Arnato up? Uh, or is this Tyler O'Neill or somebody can else? Can you go lefty, lefty, lefty? Does Gorman go in at three? I mean, I don't care. I, G- Gorman can, can hit wherever he wants. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you go three lefties, no. Okay, that's also what I asked. Okay. So you said no. I think this is a righty. Anthony, you're the baseball guy. We'll go with what you say. I don't think it's Tyler O'Neill, though. I don't either. I don't I, think it's I'm Arnado. Leaning, I'm leaning toward, no? Oh, geez. Well, who else would it be? Arnado likes to bat cleanup. Okay. What do you do? Move Wilson Contreras up? He is he swinging. the ball 115 miles a per hour, Anthony. Do you want to take a risk? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, if you don't think it's O'Neill, you don't think it's Arnado, and you don't want to risk with Contreras. Yeah. I don't know where, where we're at then. I think t- Tyler O'Neill could be. I think Contreras stays at five. Okay. I think Tyler O'Neill makes more sense here. Um, All right. I'll let you decide. All right. Show us Canadian bacon, Tyler O'Neill. What the H is okay. wrong with wow. you guys? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got a little aggressive there. Okay. Is it, is it Big Willie Contreras? To me, it's either him or or Arnato. So you you make the decision. I think it's either Arnato or Wilson Contreras. I'll go Wilson Contreras. Show us that. Wilson! 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 Okay. Nice. That's that's odd. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Are we in agreement here? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Nolan Arnato. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. All right, so then at five, do we go Gorman? Yeah. All right. Up. Show me some Storm and Gorman, baby. Best hitter in the line. Storm and Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. Is it T-Bone here now? Yeah, because he's been – he wasn't in the lineup a couple of times over the weekend. So I think it, I think this is T-Sizzle. All right, Canadian bacon. Oh, Canada. Yes, I, Canada. Right. Okay. So, okay, uh, you could move Walker up, or you could leave him here and go Newt Bar, or new, leave him at eight, I mean, and go Newt Bar, then Walker, then Edmund. I, I think that's exactly how we run it. Okay. I, I think it goes Newt Bar, Walker, Edmund. Show us large Newt Bar. Newt Alright. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, this would be our guy Jordan Walker. Show us. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Hey. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Yeah. Go ahead, Anthony. Show us Tommy Edmund, your shortstop. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. <laughs> he sure did. All right. Not, uh, not extra terrible. innings, he got him going. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. All right, let's see where everybody's playing today. Hey, real real quick question. Uh, Obviously, Tommy Edmond, first pitch swinging, bounced out to the pitcher. Mm-hmm. 
in a key spot. Key spot. Comes up, key spot. Yeah. In extra innings. Did you think maybe it'd happen again? Well, I had no doubt in him at all. No, nah, I didn't either. Marsh, you got to believe. I thought he was going to bunt. Hey, I love that. And that's the exact answer. <laughs> bunt. I'm sorry. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> Two outs. Big spot. Take the bat out of his head. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> all the pitcher has to do is flip one to the catcher. <laughs> or anywhere. <laughs> he literally would have every and option. If he lays it every down base. properly. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Andrew uh, Kisner had a nice bunt over the weekend. He Marsh. Did. He did. We, we, by the way, we do have Kyle Hebert. Our best friend from City SC coming mm-hmm. on at two fifteen. So goal scorer, and yes, that we was do. sweet. Goal scorer, that was sweet. Huge uh, victory over Cincinnati. All right, Marsh, head, run Kyle. it. Are right, you ready? Leading off, playing first base, Brendan Donovan, what? batting second, the DH, probably because of his leg, Alec Burleson, <laughs> batting third, catching Wilson Contreras, the cleanup hitter, batting fourth, third baseman, Nolanada. Batting fifth, second baseman, Nolan Gorman. Batting sixth, in left field, Tyler O'Neill. Oh Batting boy. seventh, in center field, Lars Newtbar. Batting eighth, in right field, Jordan Walker. And batting ninth, the short stop, Tommy Edmond. There you have it. Back, 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 back. All right, Marsh, go ahead and update us on those standings, huh? Anthony, you are currently leading one to nothing to nothing. The rules for our Home Run Derby Challenge is that once a player is taken off the board, he can no longer use him, and he has to hit the first Cardinals home run. Not the first home run in the game, but the first Cardinals home run. Yes. Jamie. Oh, yeah. Your selection. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Um... Wow. Well, I was going to go Newt, but I feel like Newt got that out of his system already. He's probably good for a couple of games. I think Storm and Gorman. I'm going back to the well with this guy. Okay. Storm and Norman. Storm and Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. Yeah, he is. He actually really is. Marsh. Your home run call. Oh, man. You were going Gorman, weren't I you? absolutely yeah. was. Sorry, Andrew. Um... Since I'm not an RL chalk kind of guy, I'm going to stay away from Nolan Arnato. I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras. He's heating Uh, up. He's heating up. Uh, I think he gets his first home run as a Cardinal tonight. Okay. All right. (sighs) Antoine? Yeah. What do I go here, guys? I'll just go with chalk. You are literally the reincarnation of R.L. Chalk. Give me <laughs> Canadian bacon. Oh, Tyler oh, O'Neill. Oh, that's right. Wow. Man, that's a pretty sound. Man, that's good. 2-12, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're going to dive into everything Cardinals related from over the weekend, but we are going to talk to Kyle Hebert. Again, our best friend from City SC joins our show pretty frequently. He scored a huge goal, one of five goals for City SC in an absolute uh, dismantling. Just a drubbing. Of City, or of, over Cincinnati, over the weekend. Kyle Hebert next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good looking delivery in, and it's a third for Sam. 
That's right, Kyle Hebert, our guy who joins us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, and Kyle scoring one of the five goals for City SC in that victory over Cincinnati, 5-1 on Saturday night here in St. Louis. And Kyle, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. Second of all, a sweet goal, man. Great game for you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that was electric atmosphere, I think. Um, you know, we had the weather delay, so people are just sitting for two hours, and we didn't know what the atmosphere was going to be like, but it seemed like 20,000 St. Louisans stuck around to catch the game. Jared ends up scoring in the fourth minute, and, and the crowd is just going mental the entire rest of the game. So, unbelievable game to score, and it was super cool to be able to get one at home, too, for the first time. Yeah, Kyle, I, I thought it was awesome. You know, great header to the far corner. Uh, but listen, off of that play, I was asking Anthony off air, I was like, is our guy Kyle supposed to be up there in the box that far? Like, I know you, you, you're you part of the defending group, but was that a set play but for you guys to send you up there to create, you know, maybe an outnumbered situation? Or did you just recognize the situation and you just took advantage of it? Yeah, so I get to, to go in the box on attacking set pieces. And so corner kicks and, and uh, attacking free kicks, I'm up there trying to get a goal. Um, and then that was actually the second phase of an attacking set piece. And that's more of where it's, you know, kind of my discretion of what to do. So if it looks like, you know, since he's getting the ball, they're starting to counter, then I'm hauling it back to try to get back in position and, and stop that that chance because we would both be, you know, Tim and I would both be in the box, but I saw Jake had possession of the ball. Um, he ends up finding a really good ball to Klaus who very clever header to put it in behind the fullback to Jared. And so I was kind of watching the play develop and I was like, you know what, I'm going to stick around second phase of some of those restarts. Things get pretty chaotic. And uh, I thought it might be a good opportunity to maybe pop up with a goal. Uh, Kyle, are you reading the the defense in that regard too? Now you said you said that if if they gain possession, you have to haul back. But from a positioning standpoint, so once you see that Cincinnati does not have possession, they're not going to get possession. Uh, they were they were talking on Apple TV about how you kind of almost read one of the defenders and got yourself in position to score, and that gave you some space. Is that was that going through your mind too? Yeah. So it was. It was a lot going through my mind. So as the ball's coming in, you know, I see Klaus had it, and then Jared's getting it where he's kind of got the edge on the defender where he could put it in with his left. And so I'm maybe – but I know Jared's right-footed, so I'm thinking there could be a good chance, you know, he's maybe going to look to cut it back. And their defensive line was, you know, kind of that there's three guys along the back, and, and they, were, they were sagging a bit. So I thought there was a little bit of space kind of if, – especially if, so if he puts in a ball with his right foot, it's so hard for that first defender to get there because it's it doesn't have to go past him like it it curves around him towards me and it really was you know an unbelievable ball into the box by Jared but I'm kind of trying to figure that out you know as it plays all going on and we've also got I'm trying to see where some of our other guys are and they're more at the the back post and so I'm staying near the front you know trying to occupy different zones where it could be dangerous for the ball to come back into Kyle Cincinnati's a heck of a team you know, they, they, have, they, they don't give up a lot of goals against, and they've been a real solid team all season long. Any surprise for you guys? Like halfway through the game, are you guys looking at it and going, oh, my God, we're all over these guys? 
Uh, no, I don't think su- surprise would be the word. I, um, I think it was just we were we were very clinical in, in putting away our chances when we had them, and it, it for sure helped. I mean, we kind of knew like, hey, they were sitting around in their locker room for you know two plus hours as well, um, you know, kind of waiting for this thing to get going. They're on the road. And then, you know, up in a tough atmosphere. So we knew if we could get the crowd into it, you know, that was something that, you know, Bradley was talking about in the pregame meeting. Like, hey, let's give these fans something to enjoy. And then the fans will give us back the, you know, the electric atmosphere, which will make it hard for, for Cincy to play in. And so it, it just seemed, it seemed to all click in that game for the most part, especially early on in the first half and at the start of the second as well. To further that conversation just a little bit here with Cincinnati, uh, very stingy team overall, but you guys, not only did you score five goals, you created multiple other chances, too, that didn't connect. I mean, there was a couple that uh, it could have been eight goals, to be honest. What was it that they were doing, or what was it that you guys were able to take advantage of from a strategic standpoint, or that you know maybe Bradley Carnell said, hey, here's the game plan, I feel like it could work. What was it specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of our chances came off of, you know, where we've been scoring goals before. Quick transition moments and then also restarts. So we scored, you know, two goals off restarts. We've, and, and that, that's really a credit to a lot of, you know, our wingers and our attacking players, like drawing fouls, like Nico drawing fouls in dangerous areas, Klaus, Jared, uh, Rasmus, you know, Edu. These guys are drawing fouls in spots where, as a defender, you're like, oh crap, we got to defend, you know, another corner kick, or we got to defend another wide free kick, and we were converting those opportunities. Those were two of them, and then another thing we we pride ourselves in, and we talk about regardless of the opposition, was trying to be a really good transition team. Where once we get it, all right, let's go. And so we end up even creating, like you mentioned, we could have had eight goals. There was one off of our corner kick in the first half, where it's. It pops out, um, you know, we win the ball, get it out, I think, to maybe Jake, and a big switch over to Raz. Raz finds Jared, Jared on his left foot, and uh, Celentano makes a good save. So I think just we were just very dialed into what we wanted to do, you know, be really good, be really fast in transition, and then execute our set-piece opportunities when they came our way. Kyle Hebert of City SC joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Uh, Kyle, the the previous two games uh, obviously did not go you know the the way that you guys had uh, wanted and expected. Minnesota one nil, and then Seattle three uh, nil. Was there was there a common theme in both in both matches that Seattle and Minnesota you know were doing maybe defensively uh, that caused you guys some issues scoring? Yeah, I would say it was Minnesota. I, I think they were they were different games for sure. So I don't think there was a, a common theme where Minnesota was more, they were away from home and they bunkered in um, one or two passes. They hit it long, just fought for 50-50s and really tried to not give us anything in transition by not being too open and just kind of always staying, staying clustered back. And then Seattle, we I would say we went out and, and executed – most of what we had set out to do, we knew it was going to be a tough place to play. We knew Seattle is very, very good at home. And that first half, we were kind of then more, you know, we were in a back three, so we were maybe able to try to sustain some of, 
you know, against them and then hit them on the counter. And we had one or two good looks in the first half. Klaus at the post. We had some some opportunities in the final third that were just missing. And so I think both I would say both those games were different. So I think it was encouraging knowing it wasn't like teams figured something out against us. It was just we didn't capitalize on opportunities and they capitalized on theirs. All right, Kyle, you talked about the rain delay earlier. Uh, we had a texter to the show that asked us about a chess game. Were you playing chess in the locker room during the uh, rain delay? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was doing. I was uh, on my phone playing with uh, Ben Lunt, one of our goalkeepers, uh, playing some blitz chess. So, you know, three-minute games, you got to be thinking fast, get the mind going. Uh, he, he's taken some credit for the goal as well because of the uh, the brain activation I got in the locker room before the game. So did you take him up behind the woodshed and beat him in those chess games? <laughs> Uh, yeah, he went, uh, oh, it was only, it only ended up being two games. We're watching some other soccer on the TV as well, but yeah, he was over two in those two games, but he got my mind going. So credit to him. And I'm thankful for Ben. That's our guy right there, Anthony, huh? Darn right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take him to, to the woodshed, Kyle, uh, on top of the woodshed, underneath the woodshed, behind the woodshed. It's a fast lane thing. It's a fast lane thing. No worries about it. Kyle, the yeah, no, uh, I... next game you guys got here <laughs> is Kyle. against. I know he's like, what the hell's he's wrong? Like, with these these two? guys are an idiot. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, Colorado next up for you guys, Kyle. What uh, the, you know, their record is not fantastic, but that also poses a challenge for you guys because you guys have been, you know, the expansion team will call you the underdogs throughout you know the beginning of the season. Here's a game where now you're looking at it, going, hey, we're favored to win this game. You know, what, what do you have to be aware of now that you're playing maybe a lesser team? Yeah, I, I, w- I would say this for sure. So we, you know, since he was undefeated coming to us, and, and you know, we ended up um, putting together a strong performance and beating him. And then, you know, last week Seattle ends up losing 4-1 to Portland. And so we got it handed to by Seattle, and, and we beat Portland. And so I guess especially in the MLS is there's no – um, there's no easy games and there's no easy teams and, and Colorado's record, um, you know, it's not, not the strongest, but it's also only eight games into the year we're, we're going away. It's going to be at altitude. And so I think it'll be, uh, you know, we'll, we're off today, but when we get in tomorrow, that'll be the message from the coaching staff. And, you know, the guys in the locker room will know that this is, this is not going to be a cakewalk and we're going to have to show up and, and be ready and gear up for that game, you know, just like we do every other game. And if we fail to do that, we will uh, we'll probably be struggling to walk away with points. Kyle, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Go get them this weekend, and congrats on another victory and another goal for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Always appreciate you guys having me on, Jamie and Anthony. Thanks, Kyle. Right, thank Take you, care. man. Take care, bud. All right, see you later. That's Kyle Ebert. It's our goal scorer, Anthony. Our goal scorer, our guy. It's our guy. That's right. You're in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Good number, too. 22. Yeah. It's Will Clark's number. I wore that number in Ottawa. Did you? Yeah, it didn't work out for me quite the same as it is for Kyle, but still you a good it. You still, you, well, you still wore it well. Oh, I wore it really well, just not very often. You don't wear it in the, booth, nah, the you box don't, there? You don't wear it in the media row. Healthy scratch booth. Yeah. You when I did have it on. Man, it looked good. It did. Yeah. Hung nicely off the shoulders no doubt. and stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Right there. Two, two. Did you, like, did you like the uh, the home jersey or the road jersey back? <clears throat> I liked our third jersey that year. 
It was all black and had like a gold Ottawa Senators logo with the gold trim. It was kind of cool looking. That's number 22, Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Channel 101 ESPN. We played the lineup game first. Then we had Kyle Hebert on. Now let's get into Lars Newbar. Yeah. Saving the day yesterday. Let's grind it up, baby. A couple of times. Cardinals. Salvage a sweep, or a, uh, a series split, I should say. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says. St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Drive deep to right field. Smith and Chikba says goodbye. Pepper grinder time. Newt Bar with a lightning bolt ties this game. Chip Carey on the call over the weekend. Yesterday specifically, Nalar's Newt Bar hits the home run, the two-run two shot, to tie the game at three apiece. The Cardinals then had to rally in the bottom half of the 10th inning. Uh, to win in extra innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates and unfortunately salvage a split, but also fortunately do so. But this team, they need Lars Newpar in this lineup. He lengthens the lineup. He plays good defense despite the, you know, the misplay to lead off the game yesterday. Yeah, that was incredible. Not great. He learned his lesson, though, didn't he? Came mm-hmm. in hard on another one, and he said, you know what? I'm just going to play this one straight up, Jamie. Yeah. And he did. So, again, learning, adjusting. He's coachable. Yeah, he is. Yeah. My question to you, Jamie, uh, is Lars Newbar, is he, um, does he need to also be in a rotation or is he free from that? The, the outfield rotation specifically. Oh, is he just is an automatic? He, is he an automatic no, in your eyes? I don't think, none of them are. None of the outfielders are automatic, in my opinion. Jordan Walker? Not even Jordan Walker because He's, you're going to. Not because I don't like him. I agree, Jamie. Thank you. I agree. Thank you, Andrew. I just feel like wow. even Jordan Walker, you're gonna there's gonna be stretches where he needs to take a step back. Maybe stretches where he needs a bit of a mental break. This is gonna be a lot of baseball. I don't know what the number of the maximum number of games that Jordan Walker has played in a season, but I feel like one sixty two is the maximum that he's had seen in a long time. The mm-hmm. pandemic, that was all weird. And then, you know, the minor leagues don't play as many games as Major League Baseball. He did play the Arizona Fall League. So I, I don't have the numbers to add them all together. 
But you do you have the numbers, Marshy? Yeah, uh, 2022, he played 119 games in Springfield. Okay. Um, so, so that's Springfield games, mm-hmm. which I, I know it's all relative to where he's at, but against the major league, against major league pitchers playing as many games as he's going to play this year, it's going to be it's going to be tiring. He's going to need a break, and he's going to have some spells where he's not hitting the ball great. It just happens. Mm-hmm. So I think all outfielders, all 12 of them. Um, well, I'm being facetious. There's a lot of guys out there. <laughs> Feels like 12. All those guys are, I wouldn't say at risk. They are available to be in the in a rotation of sorts. And if Newt plays well and he hits the ball and he's solid, then he obviously strengthens his case to not be taken out. But the, everybody's, I think everybody needs to be held to the same standard. I, I do too. I'm not. Ta- I'm not necessarily talking about the standard of like if they struggle or if they need well, a what break. What are you talking about, I'm then, talking, Anthony? I'm talking. Thank God. Good question. I'm talking about are they free from like the matchups? Are they free from, you know, as Lars Newbar specifically, he's not matchup dependent. Is he free from, he's not going to be in a rotation like Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill need to be now uh, moving forward because neither of them are necessarily hitting the ball uh, well. Dylan Carlson specifically, and I know he just, you know, he just returned from the neck injury, but. He's been dealing with injuries now to, to start the season. Of course, last year he had a bunch of injuries too. Mm-hmm. Because for me, save from a bad spell in which he needs a break because you know they just need to kind of get him refocused again at the plate, uh, Jordan Walker getting rest. I'm not talking specifically about that. I'm talking about are they are they match up are they not match up dependent uh-huh. and are they do you, when like each and every day do you say okay I know Newbar is going to be in the outfield somewhere because that's where he is for me I th- I think that Lars Newbar coming into this year based on what he did in the, the second half of last year it carried over to the WBC he jams his thumb on opening day but that's the only reason he's not in the lineup for me I don't think he should be in a rotation I think he's got the power defensively, again, save for the misplay yesterday, I think that you know he's an all-around good player, and he's not in a rotation for me. I Him disagree. and Walker are not. I just disagree because, you know, what are you basing the body of work on right now as far as him against left-handed pitching? What are you basing that off of? Just last year, the sample size? Yeah. It's not good enough for me. It's not going to cut it. And what about yeah, I'm not f- being negative about I Lars Newport. I, I, I'm not. I'm sitting here, and I'm putting on my manager's hat, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to look at it from that perspective of saying, am I just automatically giving Lars at-bats, even if he struggles against left-bats? Because last year, he did okay against left-handed pitching. I don't think I'm ready to do that. It's not like you're putting a seasoned veteran who has a resume. The back of the baseball card tells you it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have that. No, you're right. It's a short sample size. What's the what's the thing that you and I talk about a lot with Nolan Gorman? We're on the same page about it. Well, he needs to try. They need to try him against some left-handed pitching. Ab- yeah, absolutely. That's but where it, I'm at with Lars Newpar. So then, well, if you're if that's where you're at with Lars Newpar, then are you at the same spot with Nolan Gorman? Yeah. Oh yeah. To where he should play automatic. You and I have been on the same page about this since last year. If he's right going, Ollie won't answer our calls. Yeah, he time. won't. He keeps hanging up, which is weird. It's brutal. We also may not have his phone number. We might just be calling random people doesn't matter they can None, talk to us nonetheless this isn't about us this is about Lars Newbar having that opportunity to face lefties now if it's a disaster against lefties so then, then I'm with you Jamie how long is then, the leash then at that point I think I think that you have to let this thing let because this you're gonna thing have some hungry here. batters you're gonna have some hungry outfielders that want some at-bats sure. they want some plate time and if if Newt goes oh for 
you know, 0 for 6, 0 for 7, or 1 for 10, or 1 for 11 against left-handed pitching, and you've got O'Neill or Carlson and Walker that are sit- sitting there foaming at the mouth yeah. going, hey, give me my chance here. I mean, this is this is difficult because there's not as many lefties as there are righties in, in the league, so you're not going to have those opportunities. But he's Newport, Newport's in, in my lineup for the foreseeable future. It's hard to get rid of a guy when he just keeps getting on base, whether that's from base hits or walking. He's been he's been he's been walking a lot. He's got a good eye right now and I feel like the same thing can be said for Nolan Gorman. They're just seeing the ball really well. Gor- Gorman's your best hitter. Oh yeah, I mean, 100%. I, and, and you know what? I actually I I threw I, I pitched an idea to you guys today. I said, "Hey, are we are we taking Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Nolan Arnato for granted a little bit? And I think I just did that by saying, you know, Gorman's your best serve. But the way the ball is jumping off his bat, the way, Marsh, to your point, that he is seeing pitches right now, the way he is utilizing the entire field, the way he's ambushing, you know, first pitch fastballs in certain spots, but going deeper in accounts in other, in other spots, I think Gor- Gorman has been highly impressive right now. Gorman. I might. I might have been a little. I may have exaggerated a little bit in terms of saying he's your best hitter because Goldschmidt and Arnato hitting well for three hundred, but Gorman right now has been fantastic. But in the the spots when you need a base hit with runners in scoring position, like yesterday, the game does not like we don't get a win yesterday if Nolan Gorman doesn't. I, honest, honestly, Nolan Gorman should have gotten the the game winning hit if that ball doesn't hop over the fence. Yeah, that's I think such Contreras a is scoring. Rule, by the way. If that thing hits the wall and stays in play, the game's over. Correct. So stupid. Well, it's stupid until you're, you know, pitching and you want that guy to stay on. <laughs> well, of course, but, we always like things that work to our advantage, Andrew. Hundred <laughs> percent. Come on, we're homers. But I mean, Nolan Gorman, he he is the guy, in my opinion, right now. He's the guy that I want up at the plate in a big situation because he's just seeing the ball and he's hitting the ball that well right now. He is. He's clutch. clutch. And pitchers are starting to nibble because they're afraid of what he's doing. And he has all season long had a great eye for the strike zone. He's forcing pitchers into the strike zone if they want that out. And when they come into the strike zone, he's making them pay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it's one thing for batters to get in their own heads and, and, you know, psychologically they've got a glitch going on or whatever, but it's a whole other ball game. And we know this when the hitter can get into the pitcher's head. And right now, Gorman is one of those guys that's in the pitcher's head. And I think the difference between Goldie Arenado, yes, their hit, their stats look amazing right now. And they, they are having, you know, a good season. They're getting some good hits, but like it's the timely hitting. Mm. You know, you have Gorman hitting a home run to put you up in Colorado. Like, just stuff like that last night. Um, or not last night, but yesterday, getting the, the big ground rule double to keep the game going. Um, he's he's the guy that I want up at the plate. Even his outs are loud. You know, he had the yeah. one he had the one rocket to second base, and the you know, guy made a nice play on it. But Gorman, Gorman has been outstanding. Good to see Newbar back over the weekend. He's got the big uh, two-run home run yesterday. It's high things. Cardinals eventually win. They salvage a series split against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wanted to get into Miles Michaelis's performance yesterday. Are we encouraged a little bit, or are we still kind of uh, dismayed at what we're seeing out of Michaelis? It's next on one of these fans. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Miles did a nice job of mixing the, the four-seamer and the sinker, upped his usage of that curveball, which which was good for him, uh, mixing the slider and just a, a handful of that change-ups. But uh, overall, pounded the zone, and uh, I really liked his outing. When you look at how those runs scored, that's not typical. So. That was Ali Marmol talking about Miles Michaelis' performance yesterday. Miles allowed three runs, two earned, in five and two-thirds innings against the Pirates. Nearly at his first quality start after giving up five uh, or six runs in his previous two starts. More effective yesterday, Jamie. Look, the velocity's still down, though. It still doesn't. It still doesn't look great. He's still missing spots. I understand what Marmel's talking about, and some of the contact is weak throughout the course of the, the previous couple of starts, but I wasn't overly encouraged by Michaelis's outing yesterday, despite the fact that the the overall numbers were better. Yeah, it's not encouraging. No. I don't care anyway. I don't care how you look at it. You want to throw numbers at me that support it, weak contact, or he's the unluckiest pitcher in baseball right now. Well, it's... Is it really unlucky when it's three games in a row, four games in a row? Like, I, it's not what you need. Miles Michaelis, for all intents and purposes, is your ace on this team. He's yeah. supposed to be. I know he's not. Okay. Right. Like, when I say ace, it's air quotes. He's got uh, two more years after this one. He's locked up for you. Uh, I believe he's, he's got to be close to your highest paid pitcher. If not, I think he is. It's either him or Matt, who so we can get to later. Yeah. Okay. So, either way. Pick your pony on that one, by the way. Um, This is not, these are not the types of performances you expect from a guy that's at the top of your rotation. It doesn't look right. Um, For me, the eye test, it doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. The numbers may not bear it out to where, you know, last night's start was terrible, but it wasn't great. And the numbers, by the way, they bear it out that it wasn't really good the the previous times either. Mm -hmm. Unluckiest man in baseball, maybe, but I don't know. Jamie, here's the other thing, okay? If we're going to talk about Miles Michaelis and kind of the the, the contact aspect of it, he got just five swing and misses yesterday. Five. Like five strikeouts? Nope. Five times somebody missed when he threw threw a pitch and they swung. How many batters? Uh, Well, five and two-thirds innings. Uh, We don't do math here, but somebody somebody can do the math on that. There's only... And only five swings and misses? Five swings and misses. Anthony, that's not a lot. We know that the ball is going to be put in play a lot. I I get it that sometimes the ball it fi- finds eyes, areas. Anthony. But this is somebody that is not going to generate a ton of strikeouts. The ball is going to be put in play a lot. Now, maybe this will even, to Ollie's point, to Michaelis's point, because Michaelis, I think, said too, before yesterday's game, I believe that my numbers aren't an indication of how I'm throwing the ball right now. Anthony, okay. I believe I could play in the NHL tomorrow. And you can. No, no, I can't. But I believe it. If you're somebody that is kind of a pitch-to-contact guy and you're talking about, well, the contact is, you know, it's just soft contact, the ball's going to be put in play a lot. He's still missing spots. The velocity's still down. You know, I think I said last last week, I'm like, hey, you know, watching it, I don't think the velocity's down. It is. His velocity's down. So how bad? I, I don't I don't have the exact numbers in front of me in terms of like his numbers compared to his average over the last couple of years. I was looking at it earlier. Don't have the numbers in front of me. But sorry. This is some that's right. This is but but look, he's not a strikeout guy. Ball's gonna be put in play. He's gotta figure it out. 
And to your point, he's not he's not an ace, but he's your number one guy. He's your highest paid pitcher. He's your highest paid pitcher. So you need better than that. And Stephen Matz, another another so so to rough outing on Saturday, where he gives up the bomb early. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just those two guys are making a ton of money, and it's not all about money. Money's not always an indication of the level of performance that you're no, going to no. get out of a player. Of course. No, but what we it know does the correlation. is it, but it prohibited you, uh, money prohibited you from getting another pitcher. Sure. Whether it's money that they were unwilling to spend mm-hmm. or that they spent in other areas. Right. I don't care how you want to categorize the money thing, but you're paying Michaelis, what, $20 million mm-hmm. next year? And I think for the next two years, 20 and 20 or in and around that, Matt's is making 11 million bucks a year. That's $31 million wrapped up into two pitch to contact guys right now. And and Steven Matt's, although he's supposed to have a little more swing and miss in his game, there really hasn't been a whole lot of swing and miss at all. And I know a lot of, there's a, there's a fair amount of Cardinals fans that were complaining about the contract when Miles signed it. And you and I, Jamie came on and said, look, this isn't, this isn't bad money for what you're getting. The problem is you're not getting what you had over the last year or in previous years when Michaelis was healthy. The problem that's is you the were, difference. The problem is you were painted into a corner to have to make this signing. Well, you have nothing. Yes. Steven Matz beyond this year. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, and Miles Michaelis. Well, ne- before the extension. Yeah. You had Steven Matz beyond this year, and that was it. Yeah. Uncertainty surrounding Jack Flaherty. Obviously, uncertainty surrounding Wayno for this year, let alone next year. He's supposed to be retired. Who knows? Never know. But so you didn't have Montgomery. He might test the waters. Yeah, he's got Boris. This guy's pretty uh, aggressive when it comes to contracts, mm-hmm. Anthony. So you painted yourself into a corner to where you're like, I mean, I don't hate the deal, but I don't love the deal. Okay, let's get Michaelis at two more years. At least we have two pitchers now. Right. This is why the offseason, for me, if things don't work out for the Cardinals, the way they handled the pitching pitching situation for me will be exactly why they didn't win. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. More Cardinals coverage coming up throughout the course of the show. We'll get into other aspects of this team, including uh, Jordan X. Not great. Uh, but some other <laughs> aspects of this team. There's some, there's plenty of positives over the weekend, some drawbacks. Unfortunately, Hicks was one of them. We'll get to him a little bit later on. But interesting comments by Justin Falk and Braden Shen following the Blues season. We'll talk about some off-ice stuff with the Blues next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. said to the players we're going to find out and we're going to we're going to answer our own question is this an aberration or is this a trend and if it's a trend we're all going to have really bad years moving forward and if it's an aberration we're going to move ahead and I'm not talking about wins and losses I'm talking about how we win and lose games I'm talking about the competitive nature of our team I'm talking about what we see uh, each and every day on how we come to work and how we feel about when we go home from work. That's Doug Armstrong on Saturday, kind of wrapping things up. 
As the Blues miss out on the playoffs this year. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 301. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie, in some comments that were shared by The Athletic, Justin Falk and Braden Shen kind of echoed what Army was saying in that, that press conference on Saturday. Here's what Justin Falk said. I'm not a believer in stuff is just on the ice. I think our group let some stuff slip, our, let our habits slip, how we carry ourselves day to day. We need to be grown men in here. Be mature. Show up. Do your work. That's in practice, in the gym, off the ice. It's just working hard and knowing what you're asked to do. There's a whole series of things that need to happen before you even go play a game. I think the 81 points in the standings were a reflection of our inconsistencies as probably professionals a little bit this year. You can get back up to that level that we were last year, but you need to carry yourself day-to-day as a group and have that foundation. Then you give yourselves a chance. Braden Shen echoed what Falk said. I think from the very beginning, we probably didn't come together as a team. We've always said that the Blues aren't built on superstars with McDavid and McKinnon, guys that can easily win you a game each night. We feel that we have to play together, and we probably didn't do that enough this year. I think two guys that, Jamie, you noted last week, and I agree with, two guys that are leaders in that clubhouse, said all the right things there. These are two guys that didn't just say this because they're making excuses for not making the playoffs. I think this is they're giving reasons for part, partly why the Blues didn't make the playoffs. What are your thoughts? Well, they're the only two guys that played all 82 games, too. And so I think that that speaks volumes to who they are uh, as individuals because we know they were hurt at some point. And then they played through it. I mean, they both are physical guys out there. Um, you know, Justin Falk and, and Braden Chen, they block shots. So they played through some some things. Here's what I here's how I view what happened is you've had a lot of um transition in mm-hmm. the last couple of years. You know, Alex Petrangelo leaving. That I know Ryan O'Reilly was a great captain. We'll get there in a second, okay? Yeah. You lost Alex. Let's go back even further. You lost Alexander Steen, then Alex Petrangelo, then David Perron. These were three big voices that held this group to a standard. Insert Ryan O'Reilly. He held this group to a standard as well. He had his own way of doing it, and he certainly worked hard um, every day on the ice early, staying late, doing all the extra things. We understand that. But between the transition of players leaving and then the um, promotion of younger players from within, there's always a change in culture, somehow, some way. And it's up to the remaining veteran players to continue what works or the right way through the promotion of the younger players. But you run the risk when you have several younger players that start to kind of not take over the teams. That's that's a misuse of the word, but become more important to the hockey club. And I'm not saying the younger players were the, the reason that this happened. It's just that at some point, they have to adopt what has always been in place, what has made you successful. So to Braden Shen's point of we don't have the McDavid's or the McKinnon's, we're always... We're only as strong as our weakest guy and only as weak as our strongest guy. Like, you know, that whole thing, right? And 
you didn't have that this year. And then when you started losing and Ryan O'Reilly out of the lineup due to some injuries and Tory Krug injured, um, then the trading of Tarasenko. And Tarasenko, was he a positive influence on this team for the last two years? Was he pulling away from this group? Was he creating his own individual um, agenda? I don't know. I wasn't behind, wasn't behind the doors in the locker room. But all of it seems to me like it was set up for a recipe of exactly what happened this year. A team that some days everybody's on the same page. Other days they're not. And that's what you got. You got the Blues team uh, uh, on different occasions that were playing very, very well together. Showed, you know, great leadership, great effort, great competitiveness. And then the next day or two days later, different team. What the hell happened? Mm -hmm. Well, this is why. This is what's happened. You had a lot of fluctuation between your lineup and your leadership and guys within the group that are trying to find their way. So Army's comments and Justin Falk's comments and Braden Shen's comments, they're all true. So now that you've identified that, the offseason is spent fixing these issues. And it doesn't mean you're getting rid of players left and right. Like, no, that's not what it means. It means let's – it's just like when you have a company and you have a company handbook. Here's how we do things here. This is exactly how we have – these are protocols. This is how we do things. These are expectations. Boom. Same thing for a hockey team. You need to rewrite your manual right now with the guys that you currently have and your leadership group, and you consult those guys. Say, hey, guys, we're going to get together. We're going to have a meeting. Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong. Let's bring in Scott Mellenby, Al McKinnis, Keith Kachuk. Let's use all the resources we have available to us, including the current players that we believe are uh, very impactful from a leadership and culture standpoint to this hockey club. Let's redo the company policy book. And here's how it works. We're going to have this, 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 this. These are the expectations. These are the repercussions. And now within the group, we all hold each other accountable. I think that's where you're at now as a franchise. And I think that's what Army's talking about. Speaking of Army, here's Army on the practice habits. I think we have to have a, a highly competitive camp. I think there has to be a standard that we set in camp. I th- also think it's our practice habits. There was too many practices where where we would not shoot enough, we would miss the net in our, in our shot attempts, we would overpass it, the next drill would go on and the same thing would happen and then the next night we go 14 or 15 minutes with no shots on net and we're going, geez, how, how did that happen? Or our defensive zone coverage, you know, we would practice it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, there'd be no competitive nature to our practice in front of the net. We would give up scoring opportunities uh, in practice, and it was just acceptance, and and that bled into our season. I, I believe. I think our, our our training camp and our practice habits are going to be indicative of how we play each and every night. So, Everybody's saying the same thing here. Yeah, Jamie, but there's but, something I don't like about that. Yeah, we're talking about practice. Yeah, we are. That and was practice. Alan Iverson, that was Allen Iverson. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. Maybe maybe he has a different version of how to be successful than I do, but. Practice has always been the staple of your foundation. It really is. I mean, I joke. Well, not even joke. I talk about it a lot where we used to have fights in practice. Everybody made such a huge deal of Bortuzzo and Sanford. That went on twice or three times a week back in the day. 
And then it got away from, and I'm not saying teammates should fight. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is that it got so intense that they got to that point. Mm -hmm. That's how you make each other better. And, you know, uh, I'll never forget being told that if you take it easy on your teammates in practice, you're actually doing them a disservice. Because when the other team plays them to the maximum of their ability, your teammates aren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. They haven't been doing it every day. And so I used to I used to practice hard. Other guys practiced hard. And if you didn't like it, too bad. Too bad. And so when I circle back to this, where does the blame game go in all of this? All of them. All of them. Army included. Army, if you saw it, you needed to address it right away. And I bet he did. Okay? I'm not saying he didn't. Then Chief, if you saw it, you need to address it. Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryan, Craig McTavish, all the people that were in place at the time. Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly. You need to, the standard needs to be held there. And I understand there's only so much you can do. And we've had Chief on a couple of times. He's like, oh, what are you going to do? I can only bench guys so many times or do like, you are handcuffed at some point. But it also, the message has to get in there from everybody, top to bottom, that this is the way we do things. You don't like practicing hard. Guess what? You don't need to be here. And the young guys, Torpchenko, everybody got all like kind of, whoa, he called out the whole team. Good. That's a kid that wanted to work his ass off every freaking day to get better. He actually probably made teammates better. Nico Mikula, everybody talking about how he hated that guy. David Perron, most hated guy in practice. Anywhere he's ever played. Why? Because he treats practice like a playoff game. And guys get tired of competing really you're tired of competing okay get out into the real world talk about competing like come on everybody has to compete every single day and if you don't want to somebody else takes your job mm -hmm. so yes i'm happy that they've identified that there's a an area of their preparation for practice that needs help there's an area of their execution of practice that needs help and there's also an area of discipline that needs to happen when the practices don't meet a certain standard absolutely well said that's jamie rivers i'm anthony stalter it's the fast lane on 101 espn where it's 311 your time check is brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler how bad of a spot are the cardinals now with jordan hicks might be worse than you think oh, it's fine that's next on 101 espn not a game not a game not a game we're talking about practice. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three, two. Swinging a fly ball. Deep left field. Carlson back and. Andrew McCutcheon on Jackie Robinson Day hits a go-ahead home run in the 10th. You had uh, Geo down. You had Verhagen down today. Uh, Thompson was down today. You had uh, some fatigue with Palante. He asked for a day leading into this game. So you have Hicks available and you have uh, Cabrera available to start that inning. You're looking at McCutcheon, Santana, Joe Castro. I can't disagree with our group going with uh, Hicks. That's the, that's a bad row for a lefty. That was Ollie Marmel. Uh, Jamie, would you like to translate, or do you want me to? Oh, uh, Anthony, I feel like you're going to do a really good job. Sure. Go, 
Go ahead. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was Ollie Marmel talking about why yeah. uh, Jordan Hicks was uh, putting that game on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Um, if I'm Ollie Marmel, I'll, again, I'll just translate. Uh, don't want to speak for him, Jamie. I'll just uh, translate. No, speak as him. Yeah, as him. Uh, he was the last guy we had left. I uh, didn't want to put him in at all, but uh, roster spots um, were limited uh, because of Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. We did think at one point to put in a position player, uh, but we didn't want to upstage the player. Um, so we, Mason Wynn wasn't available. And Mason Wynn wasn't available. So, we, yeah, that's how we wound up with Jordan X. Can well I done. expand upon that? Sure. Please do. Yeah, expand all you want, uh, Rushy. You're like yeah. that company that uh, doesn't – Make the products. You make the products better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to expand upon that. Uh, our uh, starting pitching uh, can't go more than six innings, so all of our six? guys in I our bullpen could go six. Yeah, right. are, are taxed right now, <laughs> so correct. we have no arms available. Mm-hmm. Uh, except yeah. for this guy, Hicks. Hicksy, you're our guy. <laughs> you go out there and get him, okay? Hey, by the way, why don't you throw a million sliders in a row? Yeah, no because kidding. you can't find the strike zone. No kidding. And Jamie Ballgame said it perfectly on Bally Sports Midwest. He's like, you you can't throw a veteran hitter the same pitch over and over and over again. That's gonna be that's gonna be the results. Andrew McCutcheon has seen it eight times by the t- you know before he deposits in the you know center field uh, bleachers there. Mm-hmm. Unreal, but Jordan Hicks—he's struggling. Obviously, you have eyes. He met the he met with the team. He met with team officials on Sunday, but will remain with the Cardinals as he works through the pitching struggles. Low leverage situations, Anthony. That's about. Could you translate that too? You yeah, do a really good job. Sure, no problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven up, seven down, Jamie. That's what they call that. Really? That's mm-hmm. what they call that? Yeah. Huh. We did that use for other things, but not quite that. No. Um, we're either up seven or down seven, then you'll get in the ball game, son. Oh, that. Yeah. You might be asking yourself, well, why don't they just send them down? Here's why you might be in a bigger uh, pickle than you thought, than you thought Jamie. Mm. Uh, Hicks ERA sits at 12.71 over his seven appearances this season. He has five years of service time, which means sending him down to the minors, would have to be approved by him. You might be saying to yourself, well, he should do that. Okay, that's great. That's a nice feeling. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. <laughs> but if he doesn't agree to it, he's going to stay at the big league level. Or you can DFA him. Or you can DFA him. And I don't think I, I don't think that's the route they should go. However. Well, how much longer? Well. Maybe we should trade him to the Mets. Now why would you trade him to the Mets? They've got Edwin Perez. Yeah, they do. You're right. Ready to go oh, there. It's just a conversation we had earlier in the year before the season started that we absolutely shot down. Well, sorry. <laughs> so No, he, I was one of those people. Here's the thing is, Anthony, I know you agreed and BT agreed and you know whoever we have talked to about Jordan Hicks, I I believe you're in lockstep with me. If I if you're not fine, you can, you know, explain your own version of it, but mm-hmm. I have said for two years straight now that um, Jordan Hicks scares nobody in the batter's box. I'm not talking about throwing one out their head and stuff like that because, yeah, he throws hard, okay? But he gets very few swing and misses, and guys make contact. They put the ball in play against Jordan Hicks. Yeah. They time him up or they wait him out, and they either get a pitch they like or they walk to first base. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't know why. Jordan Hicks should be one of the most unhittable pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. With the, how hard he throws the ball and how much break there is on some of his sliders and things like that. Like, he should be a guy that is nightmare fuel for batters, but he's not. Guys can't wait to get in there against Jordan Hicks. So what do you do with this guy? Low leverage. Like, you're stuck with this player at this point. Ollie, to your point, Anthony, he's only going to play him when it's a blowout, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be there to eat innings. Yep. Until he gets right, if he does. And you hope he does, because to Marsha's earlier point, you got starters that consistently are not getting out of the fifth. This guy wanted to be a starter. Can you imagine starting this guy? I mean, that's the problem. Hmm. He, he is... fit really well in this rotation, if that was the case. Oh, when you only right got on one par. pitch. When you only got one pitch that, you, uh, that you're that you relying upon, that uh, it makes uh, for a good starter, no? Uh, no, not really, Anthony. Uh, so it's It's an issue. Yeah, it's an issue. So he's not the what only do the one. Cardinals do though. Like honestly, Nothing. this is a bigger problem than like Anthony. I don't want you to just gloss over this. You're like, low, well, okay, well, it is what it is. No, low, it's not. Low leverage situations. You want to see him get? You know, it, okay, baby steps now. At this point, you gotta you gotta walk it on back. You can't hold the freaking guy's hand through this process. What well, you need? You pictures. gotta crawl. Yesterday, yesterday was another indication. And then you walk. You have this guy on your roster. But not batters. And then you continue to put him in. And then you'll get back to the high leverage situations. Bull spit. I think a a huge concern for me is why other guys can't go more than one day in relief. Call them out. Like, what are you going to do when it's the postseason and you're playing every damn day? Well, usually your starters go six or seven Call them out, Marsh. Well, by name. By name. Start at the top. Okay, Andre Pallante. Well, he couldn't go more than one day. He's and tired from Colorado, which happened about a week ago. Marsh, I, I want. I think that we should get this out in the open here. You got a problem with one guy specifically? Say it. Say his name. You've been mad at him since last year. And I have your, no idea. And your comment just just illustrated my point. Who have I been mad at? You just. What did you just say? Andre Pallante? No, not Andre Pallante. You said, you know, what's the deal? Guys can't go. You know, more than two games. Ryan Helsley? Yeah. No, he's actually one of the only guys that I trust right now. I texted I you've BK. Had big, you've had a big issue with Not him. Not two days in a row. I, I texted BK yesterday. I said there's three and a half pitchers that I actually have trust in right three now. And a half. Three and a Who's half. half? Helsley is the half. So, <laughs> yeah. Gallegos. No, he loves him though, huh, Jamie? Gallegos is one of them. <laughs> he's a half pick. Thompson. Not Brad. Oh, he was unable Zach, to go that, too. That no, he's unbelievable. No, he was unable. Ollie said Thompson couldn't go. Well, that's because that's how they wound up with been lugging the I mail. <laughs> you know what? And the other guy is Jordan Montgomery. Ollie looked down the bench and he goes, "I can't put the Gatorade bucket in, so might as well go with Hicks." That's but, what he did. Okay, so back to my original beef in this whole thing. This is a bigger problem for the Cardinals than what we're we're making. Light or that we're then we're making it because Agreed. no think about it like you're sitting here your your starters can't go more than five innings six if you're really lucky and what one anomaly did 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 Monty get to seven I think maybe yeah heck yeah he did why are we shortchanging Monty I'm not he's one of five Anthony 
and, and you're going to your bullpen every single game early, and now you can't go to this guy unless the game's out of reach. That's so correct. So you're minus a pitcher off of your staff right now, which means the rest of these arms are going to get taxed. To score more runs. Yeah, okay, fine, Anthony. It doesn't solve your problem, though. <laughs> yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If you're up seven, you're good. Hicks Anthony, can, can, Hicks can stop pitch. being a donkey for a minute. Okay. I want you to feel my pain. I can never feel your pain. You it's, don't have a spleen. Hey, that's Anthony. True. That's a good point. Ease his pain. Mm. Yeah, ease my pain. Get me another pitcher. My God. Let's have a catch. Can't just have a guy wearing a uniform. <laughs> he can. He's not hey, available. Coach, <laughs> am I going to play today? Nah. Put your uniform on. It's fine. What's trending? It's next in the Fast Lane on 101 Choke. ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fastlane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half-price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, the second... Best fans in baseball, the Oakland Athletic fans, will be hosting a reverse boycott night on (laughs) June 13th against the Tampa Bay Rays to show Major League Baseball and anyone that will listen that the fans are not the problem. That is according to SI.com Fan Nation. Brady Farkas was the one writing that article. Uh, Interesting little thing that those fans have going on. What the hell is a reverse boycott? They try to sell out? I think so. Is this the owner's ploy to get a sellout in Oakland? (laughs) (laughs) Weird. We're going to do this thing called a reverse boycott. I hear it's going to work great. Why? What's the purpose? To show baseball fans matter? What? Uh, I didn't think. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. I didn't. Who blamed them? Who's blaming them? Thank you. That was my question. Like, who's, (laughs) who's blaming the fans in Oakland? I don't think anybody's like, you know, the fan base didn't show up. Uh, They've traded away any player that's any good at all. Ever. The facility (laughs) stinks. Speaking of which. Yeah. Speaking of which, it was my next thing I wanted to bring up. uh, So I might as well just do it now. There is a possum living inside the walls of the Oakland Coliseum in the visitor's broadcasting booth. SNY, the uh, New York uh, Mets broadcast team, had to go to a different part of the stadium because this possum was living inside the walls of the visitors' broadcast. Squatters' booth. rights, Andrew. Yeah, he hired a good lawyer, and it You're was screwed. Yep, it was pooping everywhere, and the smell was well, so sure. bad that they had to switch spots. Well, would you expect them to use a bathroom? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I mean, he called what? the <laughs> taking his business outside, then going back home. Yeah, you'll yeah. be fine. I after after what we saw the city of St. Louis and, and Rams fans go through when the Rams left, I certainly am not rooting for a team to vacate the city because it's not the it's not the fans' fault. With the way that there's no movement in Oakland and it's just a, an absolute disaster from a professional standpoint, part of me is like just get them to Vegas and be done with it. Get them somewhere. 
you're an Oakland fan, you could still. But will that change anything, though, Anthony? It's going to be the if same it, ownership group. If it's not, yeah, that's true too. You're right. So what happens in the become? Let's just say yeah. the the Las Vegas A's, right? The mm-hmm. Las Vegas Athletics, and we still suck. Because we won't spend any money. Yeah, no but good we call. got a brand new stadium and right. no more. The possum's not here. You're right. It's going to have to be a Washington commander situation where new ownership just has to take over and you start to rebuild. Yeah, but why? The A's owner's probably making money. <sighs> well, welcome to uh, <laughs> possum night and don't blame the fans night. <laughs> The, uh, reverse, running them back to back. Reverse, reverse boycott, and everybody gets a possum shirt. That'd be sick. Unreal. It's the rally possum. Uh-huh. And the Oakland Athletics have made the playoffs. They sure have. And mm. they went on a run because of the possum. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if that'll ever happen. Uh, I saw a tweet this past weekend. Cardinals stats and facts. They uh, put up. The umpiring. I mean, the umpiring's been terrible. And this was going into Sunday's game. How about the dude uh, yesterday for the Cardinals? It was terrible. I mean, holy smokes. Or no, was it? uh, It was the day before. before. Yeah, so Saturday. uh, So heading into Sunday. Both sides. His strike calls were balls. Some of his ball calls should have been strike. I mean, it was just a disaster on Saturday. The Cardinals have had the worst umpiring against them all season long. Houston second, um, but it's not great. Brendan Donovan, that poor man can't get a, a call in his favor. Maybe that is attributing to some of the, the strikeouts that he's had this season, but... Um, we know what that is. Can we blame the umpiring at all for some of the struggles that the, the cards have had so far this year? No, because I, th- I mean, look, it, you... Let's sure. Ha- let's execute first before sure. we go to that let's route. Let's blame them. It's all there. <laughs> you can we? Yeah, yeah, we can. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever, whatever movie that is. Is guy goes to jail. He's like, uh, that a damn lawyer screwed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a lawyer. The guy. Yeah. The guys in the back are like, yeah, our lawyer screwed us too. Mine too. Yep. No, oh, it's lack of execution. Have the umpires. Not been great in certain games, like on Saturday. Yeah, but the Pirates had to deal with it too. So I'm not gonna sit here and blame the lawyers or the lawyers. The umpires, <laughs> excuse me. Anthony, the umpires. Uh, <laughs> speaking of umpires, I was watching uh, some some college baseball. I saw this TikTok actually. Um, this pitcher for uh, for Florida, I believe his name is Brandon Neely or something. He ends up striking this guy out uh, and then gets ejected from the game for basically just. You know, flexing, mm-hmm. pumped up, gets out of the inning. They're up big, though. Uh, and then the next half inning, another guy on Florida hits a, a grand slam. And instead of celebrating with his teammates, he ends up just walking around like the bases and just like Frankenstein's it, just <laughs> walks very <laughs> upright and just walked right into the dugout. Did he did, get tossed? Did, no, I'm, just, I'm good well, with no, that. No, he didn't celebrate. He just yeah. walked. All of his teammates, you know, in college, they'll all go out there next to home plate and like they'll they'll put their helmets up and you know they'll they'll touch helmets and whatnot. And he just walked you right be by. Be careful him. when you do that. Mm. Jack, uh, especially Cagley known. Good hurt. Caglioni helmets touching. So he did the Frankenstein around. I yeah, kind of like that. He's I just doing the that. Frankenstein, going around the base, the eh. bases. I will not have an identity. You can touch helmets as long as you don't make eye contact. That's correct. Uh, last bit of news. 
How about uh, Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts, everybody, is a rich, rich man now. Got his contract extension, Jamie. Yep. It's okay. Lamar Jackson, now you're up next. Mm. You know what the top end of it is with Deshaun Watson. And now you know where a young, multi-talented quarterback... Who actually got to a Super Bowl. Who actually got to a Super Bowl, didn't win an MVP, although he was second in the voting. If he didn't get hurt, he might win it. Maybe. So now you kind of know where the bar's at if you're Lamar. Uh, I'm Lamar with you Lamar needs this. to call his agent and get that thing done. That should be done in, I mean, any good agent <laughs> will have this thing wrapped up uh, by tomorrow morning. Uh-huh. So the Eagles signed Jalen Hurts five years, $255 million oh. contract extension. Eagles had talked about how he's, he was a priority and they made him one. After leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl last year, he went 14-1 and as the starter last season for them. Deal includes 179-point-whatever million in guarantees along with a no-trade clause, 15 million in incentives. He could earn a record $54 million per year in new money. My question is, if you're the Eagles, even though it would be a big risk, would you have waited? Would you have waited to say, no. all right, let's... No, let's let's see let's see you do it again. Absolutely. No, I wouldn't. Like this is then you're going to end up with a, a Lamar problem. That he all of a sudden Jalen Hurts says screw you and now I'm going to play out my deal or this that. No, you yeah. got to go if you believe that you have the right quarterback for your franchise and you're looking at it and you're going, "You know what? Uh based on his numbers and his projections and all this stuff, why not marry yourself to that quarterback? Keep your, your franchise heading in the right direction. I don't see a problem with it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I love Jalen Hurts. He's my guy, as I've stated multiple times on this show. Kirk Cousins over here. Yeah. He's my guy. Oh, be quiet. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Skull Vikings. You know what, Jamie? I don't need to hear that right no. now. It's the off season. But I would have waited. I would have waited. I would have waited. He only did one year. Imagine if the Cardinals gave Tyler O'Neill a big contract. It's a little different. That would have been dumb. Anthony, I'm real dumb. Saying. Petitioning for that. Too. I mean, That's Carson you. Wentz. Carson Wentz with the Eagles. He was really good for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl. Right. I'm just saying. What now, if he goes I, out, I like, I like what if he goes out and duplicates it then? Now you're Boom. now you're 215 million of guaranteed. Now, now what are you going to do? You give him the money. They had what no if he says doing it this year. But Marshall, what if he says screw you? Well, is he going to say screw? I mean, he obviously it's all hypotheticals now. I know. Now you got him locked up. Now you okay. don't have to have a hypothetical. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he would have done that. I don't know. Put, you don't think he would have wanted more money or held out for a better deal? I, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. It's just one year. So put yourself That's in the a Eagles. Good year though. Put yourself in no, the it's Eagles. A great shoes. year. Put yourself in the Eagles shoes. You scout this kid. Yeah. You take him in the second round where no nobody had him in the second round, or at least not a lot of people thought he was going to go in that round. You're the Eagles. You put in the work. You took him when he already had a quarterback. And you took him in part because of his work ethic. Took him in part because of his competitive nature. And took him in part because you thought he would get better over the years. First year, gets a taste. Second year, Help lead you to the playoffs, but what didn't do a ton. And then last year he gets to the Super Bowl and has this MVP caliber season. If you're the Eagles, you projected this. So why wait? 
That's a that's and, a fair argument. And risk and risk, you know, him to Jamie's point, potentially getting ticked off and having it cost you more money. If you believe in the kid and you believe yeah. that this was the progress all along, and and uh, look, I didn't, I didn't see him doing what he did last year. Uh, but if the Eagles projected that, you're happy, to, you're happy to pay him. I mean, you're you're not wrong. I'm just saying what I would do. And okay. I, I I would wait one more year. Right, I go. would have waited one more. That's Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie Rivers. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Back to some Cardinals. Steven Matz struggled on Saturday. Miles Michaelis better than what he had been in previous starts, but still not, still not great. What can the Cardinals do about this? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Cardinals salvage a split thanks to their bats yesterday. Lars Newpar with a huge home run. And then Tommy Edmond delivers the walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th after the Pirates had taken the lead. So nice little rally there. But overall, the pitching still not great. Jamie, as Miles Michaelis was better than he was the Ish. previous outings. But that's not saying a lot because he wasn't good in the previous outings. And Stephen Matz, I give him credit for battling on Saturday. He wasn't, that's, you know, he wasn't the reason they lost, but he gave up a leadoff home run. Yielded the two runs over five and two thirds on Saturday. Wound up getting a no no decision on that. But again, he gave up the home run to Cabrian Hayes. Hand, handed out a bases loaded free pass to Connor Joe in the third inning. And we were talking about the poor umpiring. Marsh brought it up in, in what's trending. And yeah, that was a that was a bad strike zone on Saturday. He was still missing his spots. So both things can be true. You could talk about the umpires. You could talk about how the zone was wide, but it was for both teams. Anthony, it was all over the place. It was all over the place. It wasn't consistent. Steven Matz was still missing his spots consistently. You'd have Wilson Contreras set up low and inside. He he would throw it high and inside. He would set up low and outside, and then all of a sudden, Wilson Contreras had to bring the the, the the glove back in, just as BT mentioned to us last week, to, to bring the glove back in. He was missing his spots. Now, should he have fell into certain strikes? Maybe. But he's still not effective with his command. He's off in his location. And as we talked about with Miles Michaelis earlier, Jamie, the Cardinals need better out of these two guys. It's just the bottom line. Well, you're not good enough overall to battle through a couple of guys who aren't pitching all that great. You're just not. Like, if you had two or three guys, three guys right now that are shoving for you, I don't mean perfect baseball and, you know, 10 strikeouts per game, but if you've got three guys that you can rely upon – then Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz and Woodford, for that matter, if you want to throw him in the mix too, it's not all that imperative. You can get, you can figure it out, work some things out, but you don't. You got Monty. Monty's the only guy that really, and Jack Flaherty, 
Um, you know, he had a better outing his last one. We'll see what happens tonight. But, you know, even though he had the zero ERA after one game, he still had all the walks that were happening. So you don't have the luxury of having a an extended period of time to where your pitchers are your pitchers are not, you know, hitting the zone the right way. They've got to do I I I don't listen, I don't claim to be a baseball pitching expert or coach. No, you mean to me it's just pitch the ball, hit the strike zone. That's what you're trying to do. You nibble every now and then. But these guys should be doing a much more effective job of putting the hitters in bad situations. They're getting behind in counts early. They're they're letting guys get on base and then they're you know they're pitching they're they're playing catch up baseball. Yeah. You know for lack of better words, I don't know how you'd word it, but they're always behind in in the scenario that they put themselves in. You can't can't pitch that way. You can't pitch to contact that way. And now Miles Michael is starting to try and nibble all over the place and Steven Matz and then they're missing their locations and this is just creating you know, a, a bigger problem. I'll tell you what it's created, Jamie. A five ERA for the starting staff. That's just the starters. The Cardinals are at a f- even five ERA. That's 22nd in Major League Baseball. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you think this is Miles Michaelis this year? It's early. I know it's early. But, like, if you're forecasting, if you're looking ahead right now, mm-hmm. based off of what you're seeing, now you also have to look at the back of the baseball card, too, and be fair to Miles Michaelis. What version do we ultimately end up with? That's a good question. If I'm, if I'm projecting based on what we have seen thus far, I would say that we're in for a long season with Miles Michaelis. As I mentioned earlier, velocity down, hard hit rate is is, is up there. Uh, I know that the first outing, I think he had you know seven strikeouts or something like that. But you know the the strike the strikeout rate is not going to be there as we know. He's not getting he's not getting opponents to chase, uh, or, or uh, he's not getting opponents to miss. I should say, it's not good. The exit velocity of their, they're hitting them hard. I mean, these are the things that you would look and at. Why are people saying that he's just unlucky right now? Making excuses for him. Okay. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out because. Or they're seeing something different but to be you're fair. bringing up, you know, uh, his velocity's down mm-hmm. and the exit velocity mm-hmm. on the baseball is up. Mm-hmm. Anthony, I'm a hockey guy, right? You're everything. You're well, an everything guy. That's fine. That doesn't seem like a great com- combination. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. It's it's you ask you ask to kind of project forecast a little bit all the things that matter that you know we're talking about statistics. We'll bore you with them. You you have two eyes. You can see them. The stats or the baseball savant kind of projections match with what you're seeing. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you look at a guy you're like, oh, the numbers aren't good. Yeah, he he. Lined out to center field nine times. He's driving the ball. He's just he's hitting them right at him. Yeah, that's not the case with Miles Michaelis. The numbers the the numbers aren't great. So a couple of things here. One, uh, our boy Cottleville Chris, who's been quite quiet here recently. Maybe uh, maybe his wife took his phone from him or something. But Cottleville Chris, welcome back to the show. He says it's April, boys. Wait until things heat up. I know what he's meaning by that. He doesn't mean in Miles Michaelis's advantage here. He means the hitters are going to heat up because that's what we always say. It's April. 
Well, you know, Goldie, just wait till it heats up a little bit here. Well, the same can be said about other teams' batters as well. Very true. So if that is the case right now, it's a little bit worrisome. Yeah, are they making contact? Yes. Is there some weak contact? Yes. There's there's a fair amount of balls that are being absolutely, you know, crushed too with Miles Michaelis. So it's just... It's it's a bad recipe. Yes, it's only April, but to Cottleville Chris's point here, when it starts to heat up a little bit, maybe maybe some of that weak contact carries out of the the ball yard too. Is this now? I was of the um, of the belief that the shift rule changing would play into the Cardinals' advantage because they had so many great defenders. Mm-hmm. Was I wrong? Because they have so many pitch to contact pitchers. Yeah. Was I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong. The I'm defense was outstanding this weekend. Yeah, but I just, but you know, the, these guys that are pitched to contact are getting lit up like a Christmas tree. I don't think they're executing. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they're executing, and it's the same thing I said. You know, when people kept bringing up Wilson Contreras, you know, is it Wilson Contreras? No, I don't. I think the pitchers aren't executing. I think Stephen Matz, by the way, the numbers, the hard hit rates, and all that other stuff too that we just talked about with Miles Michaelis, not good with Stephen Matz though. There's nothing to suggest right now that these two guys are going to figure it out quickly here. There's just going to be slight adjustments. I hope I'm wrong about it. I do. Because I don't want to sit here and talk about the starting pitching not being good all season long. It's going to be a long year then. Mm. But they're really numbers. Not great. All right. Pat knocked me off on Friday in the gauntlet. He's back to take on either Jamie or Marsh. Next. Gauntlet here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Time for the gauntlet in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, where it's 402. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. We welcome in Pat back to the program. He got to celebrate all weekend after beating me in the first round of the gauntlet. That was on Friday. What's up, Pat? Welcome back. Well, I've been meditating over here. I'm still nervous. Now, Pat, what did you do to celebrate? Because we know you did. I mean, did you call your friends? Uh, did you have people over? Like, what did you do? I, call, I called a few friends and uh, celebrated uh, vociferously at the uh, Battlehawks game. Oh, caca. Nice. Okay. I like well, it. Not a great result there, but I'm, I'm sure you had fun okay. nonetheless. The environment is, is always great at the Battle Dome. Uh, it, was, it, it was electric. It was wild. It just wasn't the right result. Very true. All right, Pat. Round two. You taking Jamie or Marsh? Well, you know, if I take Jamie and it's hockey, I'm toast. If I take Marshy on random, I think I'm also toast. I think I think I'm gonna take Marshy. All right. Wow. Pat put a lot of thought into that. He did, absolutely. All, All right, right, so Marsh is getting challenged. Honestly, if it is random, I don't know if Pat is toast. Because I'm pretty bad at random. Yeah, but you're really good at baseball. I'm actually way better at hockey, as the numbers would indicate. That's a good point. Marsh the numbers been, bear it out. Yeah, the numbers do bear it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. All Where's right. our launch codes, by the way? Uh, they. Okay, so Marsh is handing right. over the launch co- code folder to Jamie right Envelope now. Open folder. Pat, you know what to do. 
I know what to do. Marshy, spin that wheel. And now get out of here, Marsh. Go into the cone of silence. Get out of here, you filthy animal. Go ahead. Get out of here. You're not welcomed anymore, Marsh. Get out of here. You filthy animal. You filthy animal. That's right. Okay. I'm going to wait until Marsh is in the cone of silence Anthony, what movie is that, by the way? Get out of here, you filthy filthy animal. animal. That is, uh... Not the actual movie. What movie is it in? Die Hard? No. Uh, Home Alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's watching the guy. Yeah. We showed the kids Home Alone one time. I'm like, oh, wait, this is... Yeah. I forgot about uh, this movie that he's watching. You know what? Um, Played a movie for uh, Ashley's kids this Mm -hmm. weekend and uh, didn't quite do the the right checkup on it. The movie Ted... Although, uh, <laughs> furry bear that's so cute. Yeah. Not exactly ideal. No. Yeah, we had to stop that one short and early. Yeah, I'm All sure. Right. Yep. I'm sure. All right, uh, the wheel is done spinning. In fact, it was about 30 seconds ago, Pat. Sorry about that. It is baseball. Okay. Baseball, right. baseball is your baseball category. Marcy, oh, my goodness. Okay. Marshy's yeah. been pretty good at baseball, so we'll yeah, see here. Said- all right, Anthony, before I give myself a paper cut, trying to sure, get into we go. the uh, okay. lodge codes here. All, all right, right. Uh, Pat and Marsh are going to get the same four questions today. All of them are going to be baseball-related because that is what the wheel produced. Every question is worth two points unless Pat or Marsh need the options. If they need the options, that's quite, that question is worth one point. Pat, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right, question one. Which Dodgers player recorded seven RBI against the Giants on April 10th, including a three-run homer and a grand slam, becoming just the third player in Dodgers history to record seven RBI against the Giants? Uh, Well, I don't play fantasy baseball anymore, so I wouldn't know because of that. I'm going to have to take the options. Sure. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy. Uh, Max Muncy, final answer. Okay. All right, Pat. Question two here. Two teams hold the record for most consecutive wins to start a season in Major League Baseball history, winning their first 13 games in a row. The Atlanta Braves did it first in 1982. Which team also did it in 1987, but went on to miss the playoffs? 1987. Well, certainly not the Cardinals. They were in the playoffs. They were in the World Series. Um, 1987, 13 games to start the season. I'm going to have to go with the options. All right. Was it the Milwaukee Brewers, the Oakland Athletics, or the Kansas City Royals? 1987. Can you give me those options one more time, Sure, sure, Pat. Was it the Milwaukee Brewers, Oakland Athletics, or the Kansas City Royals? I'm going to go with the Oakland Athletics. Final answer. Question number three, Pat. In 2017, which team won 22 games in a row, the longest win streak in in Major League Baseball since 1916? Oh, my goodness gracious. I should know this. And I don't, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have, at least I don't remember. I'm going to have to go with the options again. 22 games in a row. 22 games in a row they won in 2017. The Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland Indians, the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics, 
Atlanta Braves, and what was the third team? Cleveland Indians. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Indians' final answer. All right, Pat, we have hit the final question. Question number four. On opening day, who recorded the first hit of the 2023 season for your St. Louis Cardinals? I missed the entire game. <laughs> um, I guess I'm going to have to go with the options in. Again, I can't take a shot. All right. Was it Brendan Donovan, Paul Goldschmidt, or Nolan Arenado? Well done. I'm going to use the swag method here. You know what the swag method is? No. No. It's a science, scientific wild-ass guess. Brendan Donovan. <laughs> Brendan Donovan was your answer? Final My answer? Final answer. All okay, right. Brendan Donovan it is. <laughs> I like that. I liked it a lot, too. Anthony right. does that all the time. I do. Yeah, pretty right. much the whole show, four, four hours a day. Pretty all much. right, Mark's going to make his way back from the Kona Silence. Pat, how you feeling? Terrible. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Marsh, Marsh, the, uh, the, the almost clean shaven Marsh. He, yeah. left, he left the mustache. Babyface assassin. That's baby what he called himself assassin. today when he walked in. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh huh. All right, Marsh. White I'm going to put the pressure on you. I think you're going to kick my butt. Oh, oh, wow. A little reverse psychology. Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Although, yeah. Marshy, I'll tell you what. I would definitely pack a lunch today. A little reverse boycott, <laughs> Oakland A style. Yeah, All right, let's awesome do it. Style. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Question number one: Your category is baseball. Ooh. Which Dodgers player recorded seven RBI against the Giants on April 10th, including a three-run homer and a grand slam, becoming just the third player in Dodgers history to record seven RBI against the Giants? I believe that was Max Muncy. And he is uh, boosted right now on MLB The Show 23. So, Max Muncy, final answer. All right, Andrew. Question two. Two teams hold the record for most consecutive wins to start a season in MLB history, winning their first 13 games in a row. The Atlanta Braves did it first in 1982. Which team also did it in 1987 and then went on to miss the playoffs? All right, can you read the question one more time? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Two teams hold the record for most consecutive wins to start a season in MLB history, winning their first 13 games in a row. The Atlanta Braves did it in 1982. Which team also did it in 1987, but then went on to miss the playoffs? Going to need those options. All right. Was it the Milwaukee Brewers, the Oakland Athletics, or the Kansas City Royals. 1987. And that was the year that the, uh, I believe the Twins beat the Cards in the World Series. Um, so we have the Royals. We have the, the A. I'm between the Royals and A's. Um... You know what? We've been talking about we've been talking about the Oakland A's. Let's go with them. Final answer. Question number three, Marsh. In 2017, which team won 22 games in a row, the longest win streak in Major League Baseball since 1916? That would be Cleveland. Cleveland. Not they weren't the Guardians or the Cleveland Indians, but uh, Cleveland is my final answer. 
All right. Final question of the day. Question number four. Andrew, here it is. On opening day, who recorded the first hit of the 2023 season for your St. Louis Cardinals? Oh, wow. This is tough because we were doing a show at the time. And yeah, we this is really going to test really you. Really able to watch the game. <laughs> this is so oh, true, too, Anthony. Man. You were there, kind of. Um, it's my birthday, Jamie. Yeah, it was. Sexy beast. <laughs> man. <laughs> Did Brendan Donovan lead off with a base hit? Paul Goldschmidt. Um. So the, I believe they got one run in that inning. Nolan Arenado knocked home Paul Goldschmidt, if I'm not mistaken, right? Let's go with Paul Goldschmidt, final answer. All right. All right, let's go over these. On opening day, who recorded the first hit of the 2023 season for the Cardinals? Marsh, you wound up with Paul Goldschmidt. Pat, you went with the swag method, as you like to say. You know what the swag method is? Uh, no. Is that Lars Nupar? Actually, is, is it the swag? It was the swag. You forgot, didn't you? Well, I remember the. I remember three of them. You forgot. Scientific. Really? Scientific. Scientific. Yeah, the rest. Wild ass guess. There you go. I couldn't remember what the S was. I can't believe that. Wait, I really like that. I might use yeah, that. The now. scientific wild ass guess. Wow. Uh, Pat, you wound up with Donovan after yeah. doing that method. Correct answer is Brendan Donovan. Oh. Swag route wins. All right, 1 0, Pat, with the lead. In 2017, which team won 22 games in a row, the longest win streak in Major League Baseball since 1916? Marsh, you went with the Cleveland Indians. Pat, you also went with the Tribe. Correct answer is. Well, it was, in fact, the Cleveland Indians. But Marsh didn't need the options on that one, so we have a 2-2 tie after Marsh scored two points there. Two teams hold the record for most consecutive wins to start a season in MLB history, winning their first 13 games in a row. The Atlanta Braves did it first in 1982. Which team also did it in 1987 and then went on to miss the playoffs? You guys both uh, took the options. You guys both went with the Oakland A's. Correct answer is... The Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers. So we still have a 2-2 tie between Pat and Marsh. Question number one here, which is our fourth question, reading them off. Which Dodgers player recorded seven RBI against the Giants on April 10th, including a three-run homer and a grand slam, becoming just the third player in Dodgers history to record seven RBI against the Giants? You guys both had the same answer. Max Muncy, correct answer is... Oh. Max Muncy. That's correct. Marsh didn't need the options, what? though. Pat. You have chosen poorly. You lose. Not today. <laughs> well, Pat, you got more questions right than Marsh, but the uh, <laughs> options wound up hurting you in the end. Marsh gets you four to three. Sorry. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, it, it was always... Uh... I always thought that I was going to go down in flames, but I made it a little tighter. So Yeah, you did. Nice job. And uh, I don't know where I got that uh, scientific thing from years and years and years ago, but use it. 
It's oh, great. We will. We'll, right. co- we'll copyright you sometimes, yeah. Pat. Yeah, but we, we definitely <laughs> have that now. So thank you very yeah. much, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, fellas. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Thank you. All right, it's the fast Marcy lane. Marshy always Wonder. beats the nicest people. Dude, yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. How do you sleep souls? at night? I don't. I think Every about nice all person. of these listeners before I go to bed, and I can never sleep. <laughs> yeah. Birthdays, and their kids are in the car, yeah. and all that, and Marcy's like, I'm going to take your soul. <laughs> yep. All you know, the, the, the we have not had a jerk, not one jerk for the gauntlet, though. We haven't. We've had some people that you know they're a little bit more quiet. Well, uh, I, maybe I consider the people who deserve to be jerks, Anthony. I don't like to lose. All right, fair enough. So you just called the pad a jerk. He is a jerk the other day on Friday. Today he was nice. Today he's great. Yeah, <laughs> all right, uh, I'm good. I'm catching on. That makes more sense. <laughs> it's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Has there been a culture change amongst young athletes? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. players and I'm not saying they're bad or they're wrong or I have to understand how to get to them is they'll play 18 minutes to get an 18 second shift that can go on YouTube and get a million likes and think that was a good night. I have to understand what makes them think like that and how do we say you can have that but can you also give us this? SGM Doug Armstrong on PK and Ferrario earlier today. No, I'm sorry. That was from the uh, the press conference that he talked he talked to the media on Saturday. He was also on BK and Ferrario. We'll play some of those clips uh, from earlier today with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter. But Army was talking about the kind of the culture change amongst young athletes. And Jamie, we've known about this. We've talked about this. This was a situation. You just told me, you just stole my pen and then looked angry. It's my pen. Look Look down to your right. That's your pen. Look at the difference. <laughs> I wish everybody could have seen this. I had a pen right next to me. Jamie snatches it, gives me a dirty look as I'm talking, and I can literally, from my point, see where the, his pen is, tucked, tucked like right to the side of his keyboard. <laughs> Same pen, I'll give it's you that. We got it both from the supply closet here at 101 ESPN. No, I bought this with my hard-earned you money, didn't. Anthony. You didn't. I did. This is a Sharpie gel pen. These are the best pens. You probably stole that one from me. I didn't. I you got this from always the... Always sticky fingers over here. I got that from the uh, supply closet. Anyways. Anyways. Army was talking about the culture change among among players. We've talked to Craig Berube about this, too. This is part of the job now for coaches, and it really it's nothing new. This has been the last couple of years. It's the it's the why, right? It's the why generation. Why why this, why that? Yeah. And Army's right. It's it's neither a good thing or a bad thing. It's just this is this is the communication aspect now. It's not, hey, run into that bleeping wall. Okay, coach. That's that is something that you and I, whether it was a high school or you, you know, you advancing to uh, minors, and then of course the the, the uh, not the minors, but the um, juniors, and then going going eventually to the NHL, Jamie. That's the way it was for us. It's like, hey, run through that wall. Yeah, okay, no problem. Uh, how hard do you want me to run through that wall, sir? Oh yeah. Now it's well, why why do you want me to run yeah. through that wall? It's just part of it, and I think the Blues are aware of it. I think any coach right now in any sport is aware of it, and if you're not good at communication, well, you're going to die a very quick quick death. 
So I think what Army was trying to say in in all of this when he talked about a disconnect with the players, and this is the most disconnected he's been, it's not that Army's disconnected to the sport of hockey or what his team is trying to accomplish. I don't believe that to be true at all. But what I think he's talking about is we've talked to Craig Berube, you just brought it up, and, and other coaches, and there is a clear... There has been a clear change in the process of coaching young athletes, and they they require more information. Um, they require more understanding, more patience, all of the above, like the, the, the old, like, do it my way. But why? Because I said so. That no longer applies from a coaching standpoint. So how does it work, though, from a GM slash president? So... When I look at Army and he's talking about this, about trying to reconnect and try to figure it out, I think it's when he constructs his roster. So now what type of individuals do I ultimately want on my team? Now, are you judging the individual first and then the talent? Or are you going talent, then the individual? Maybe Army's been going, hey, this is what the talent tells me, uh, but I don't really know about the individual. Or it's a younger player, and so it's still kind of being developed. So I think the way Army is approaching it, in my own mind, is that he's looking at it from a standpoint of, if I'm going to build a roster, first and foremost, what type of player does this team need? Not talking goal score, I'm not talking like, you know, back checking. Character-wise, what kind of player am I getting here? Am I getting the guy that could care less about how many likes he gets on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Or am I getting the guy that uh, that's what it's all about. It's fine. Both can You can have both of those guys on your hockey club if the goal at the end of the day is to win games and to leave it out there on the ice every single day. You can have both because Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk are very active on social media in a great way, but they also leave it out there every single day. So you're allowed to be that modern-day athlete that is perusing the social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you do, YouTube, start your own YouTube page or whatever the heck it is, I don't care. I don't care, but I need to know that the individual, the, the way they work, what makes them tick inside is the right thing for my hockey club. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Army's trying to say ultimately is – we have a whole bunch of different personalities. We've got some veteran guys, some younger guys, but I need everybody inside to be ticking the same way. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you're right. There's a, there's a there's a balance that you have to achieve if you're going to if you are going to achieve all, you know, the, the ultimate success because you can talk about how, "Ah, it's not how it used to be." Got to you got to adapt, adapt or die, right? So it's just part of it now. It's a part of the game. It's not just the it's not just hockey either. It's uh, it's all sports. It's it's the the work life balance too. Here's Army on BK and Ferrari earlier today. Why he felt a loss of connection. What I was trying to say is that there's a there's a generation of people coming in now that I don't have a lot of familiarity with on what they're dealing with, and I just think it's my responsibility to to try and learn a little bit more on how we can support those guys. Quite honestly, since the pandemic, a lot of things have changed on how we travel, how we uh, communicate. We, we spent two years uh, of traveling where you'd have to go get your, your meal and then go to your room and eat it. You weren't allowed to have any social interaction with the players. Everyone was wearing masks. It was just a different time. I'm not saying hockey was any different than society, but 
there was a disconnect, I think, for everybody in society. And then I came out of this and then I had lost a generational connection with my kids at that age group. So it's more I just need to, to maybe dig in and read a little bit and try and find out uh, maybe from some college teams on when they're recruiting, what's important to them and how do they connect with the kids that are recruiting? Because ultimately we're doing the same thing, not that much as recruiting is drafting, but they're still the same age and probably dealing with the same uh, issues. Yeah, so that's some good um, some good insight there from Army, and I totally agree with the way he's approaching it. You have to kind of figure out the modern-day athlete. And there's more than just you know, playing the game or whether they make a mistake or not make a mistake. A lot of these guys make a lot of money now. And so where, where's the carrot mm-hmm. for some of these young athletes? And I'm not saying it in a derogatory way um, because you have a lot of young athletes that are making a lot of money that uh, will leave it out there every single day. But what's the carrot, right? So for each player, there's something different that lies out there. You have to f- kind of figure that out Um, As an organization, as a coach, as a manager, all of the above. The one thing that all I care about, though, Anthony, I don't care how old the player is, I don't care about the connect between generations, this and that and the other, Army's got one job this offseason. It's to find players that will compete at all cost. That's it. Guys who cannot go another day of breathing unless they're competing to the maximum of their ability. And if you don't have those guys, go get them mm-hmm. because that's what you need. You need a team of full of players that are willing to give it all they have every single practice, every single game. It doesn't mean fighting and hitting and doing all those things. It means not willing to lose a puck battle. It means chipping the puck in to win a hockey game. It means blocking a shot. It means finishing, shooting the puck on net, hitting the net in practice, taking pride in scoring goals for your hockey club. Competing at all cost has got to be at the top of the list for Army when he's building next year's roster. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. How much trouble are our Battlehawks in after losing to the Sea Dragons? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. wasn't law yesterday we're off one for the battle hawks at the battle dome as they hosted the sea dragons with an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot all while eliminating the sea dragons from playoff contention and instead our battle hawks went down in flames 30 to 12 was the loss sea dragons added a field goal late which was pivotal because or could be pivotal because we could be down to a tiebreaker scenario that would include point differential for the Sea Dragons and the Battlehawks. That is, of course, if the Battlehawks beat the the Guardians next week and the Sea Dragons beat the Vipers. So it's a playoff tie-breaking scenario. Each team has one game left, and it's those two teams that are battling now. There's an awful lot of things that are happening. A lot of things are happening. Wouldn't Battle- it just be better to win? That well, that would have been the case yesterday, Jamie. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Here's mm-hmm. where I'm at. If they don't beat Orlando, they don't deserve it. They they don't. That no. team's terrible. 
It is. Whoa. Whoa. Now he's right. They let, are. let Marsh finish. What team's terrible? Orlando. The Guardians. Uh, I was Guardians. Going, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about our. No, I would never no. say Kukal like Marsh, is terrible. Was one freaking game, dude. No, he's no. talking about the Guardians, and he's absolutely right. They are terrible. But you can't overlook them. No, you can't. What went down yesterday at the at, at the Battle Dome, the, the issues for the Battle Hawks, I'm sorry, it's been on display since week one. Anthony, they can't stop the run. And you've been saying that for a while now, Jamie, and you're absolutely right. You've been saying this team – the run fits, the way that they get out of out of alignment, the way that their linebackers are washed out of plays, the way that the guards and uh, centers from uh, opposing team, the interior offensive linemen, getting up to that second level, kicking the linebackers out. You've been saying this for a while now, Jamie. It's been a, it's been a problem. Yeah, he's being right, Jamie. You are so right. Darn right. It was a problem again yesterday against Anthony. a team that that throws the ball most of the time too. But when they needed a run, guess what happened? Oh, they got it. They got big plays. Yes. Yeah. Anthony, you're doing a pretty good job of uh, breaking down this Battlehawk stuff, too. Don't oh, thanks, you, Jamie. Don't sell yourself short. I appreciate that. Thanks right. for the compliment. Yeah. They also can't protect A.J. McCarron, which has been a problem since week one. This offensive line hasn't gelled. And, I mean, I, I think that Bruce Krakowski, the offensive coordinator and the play caller for, for the Battlehawks, has done an outstanding job. It's a really good play caller. But there's only so much you can do when you when you can't protect the quarterback. And there was a couple of times yesterday where McCarron held on to the ball, but, you know, credit Seattle for playing good defense. But he's un, he's under siege constantly. That's why a lot of times Gregkowski will spread spread things out and just allow McCarron to kind of fi- find, you know, the you know, based off the defense, find the open guy and, and live to fight another down. That's kind of their offense at this point. It's It's unfortunate. I thought yesterday was kind of disheartening, Jamie. Wow, it's been a good, really down it's been on a good year right for now. the Battlehawks. It's been a really good year. But when yeah. you're facing good teams... It doesn't feel like it. When you're facing good teams, Jamie, the Battlehawks have been exposed. The weaknesses have been exposed. Not the entire team. But you can't stop the run. You can't protect the quarterback, Jamie. It's a, that's a tough thing. Anthony, um, I've always said, and I've had this philosophy regarding football is your offensive line. You talk about the offensive line? It's very important. Yeah. A couple of reasons, Anthony, is one, if you're trying to establish the passing game, gives your quarterback an extra second or so to, you know, check down his options mm-hmm. and see what's available. Um, and your quarterback now can stay in the pocket, more confident, you know, zinging that ball in there. Also, um, if you're looking to execute running plays, your offensive line being dominant, being able to create those holes for your running back. Yeah. Even if you have an average running back, say you don't even draft one, who cares, right? Just pick one up in free agency, whatever. But if you've got a great offensive line, mm-hmm. they're pushing forward and they're creating those holes for the running back. And now you're creating a running game. You know what that does, Anthony? You control the clock mm. at that point. And then when you establish your running game, maybe throw a little play action in there. Get a little extra time for your quarterback, too. Now you're getting chunks of yards downfield. So for me, it's always been about the offensive line. Yeah, for me, I kept talking about the receivers and the skill position players. Quarterback's best friend is over always a receiver, right, Jamie? That's what I've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. And you always used to say to me, no, Anthony, to build a successful football team, you got to build it inside out. And I said, Jamie... Having a number one wide receiver is the only thing that matters. And you said, Anthony, it's all about 
the middle of the field, establish that offensive line, and go from there. Give me a center with a high IQ. Uh-huh. Okay, because this guy also is almost like an air traffic controller guy, too. He's spotting out the defense. He's letting the quarterback know. He's a part of all this thing together. Right. So if you got a talented receiver that, quite honestly, the quarterback doesn't have time or your offensive line can't figure out the right coverage, he's not getting the ball anyways. Mm-hmm. So for me, give me that ugly, burly, smart center any day of the week. Yeah. That's like you always said, he's setting the protections up there, too. So, I don't, yeah, I mean, protection's important. Mm-hmm. Always. So, oh, the Battle Hawks, uh, it comes down to next week, Jamie. Comes down to next week. If they win against the Guardians and the Sea Dragons lose to the Vipers, then you're in. If both teams tie or both teams lose, it goes to the tiebreaker scenarios, and Oof. basically it's going to come down to point differential. Mm-hmm. So, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to talk about the point differential at this point because. The Battlehawks are going to play the Guardians, and the Sea Dragons are going to play the Vipers, and that's going to factor in. Basically, just beat the Guardians and and really take them behind the woodshed. I like where your head's at. Yep. Win like 55-3. to three. That'd be nice. And then have the Vipers, Gar- Sea Dragons, play a close game. They'll factor in. But I'm concerned, Jamie. I'm Don't real be. concerned about the battle. We box. got this. Okay. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Will the outfield continue to have kind of a revolving cast? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Barreling up the opposition. There's a shot hammered down the right field line. That ball is going to bounce into the stands. It's a ground rule double. Donovan will score. Back-to-back two base hits, and the Cardinals have tied the game. Chip Carey, Bally Sports Midwest over the weekend as the Cardinals salvage a split against the Pittsburgh Pirates with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Lars Newbar had a two-run homer, three walks, two of which were intentional as the Cardinals edged out the Pirates 5-4. to four. In 10 innings yesterday, he was walked ahead of Jordan Walker in both the 8th and 10th innings. Uh, worked out for the Pirates both times, but nonetheless, the Cardinals were able to drive home uh, the game-winning run against the, uh, the, the Buccos yesterday, thanks to Tommy Edmond. For me, Jamie, I'd asked you this question earlier. I think Newpar should be kind of excluded from an outfield rotation. I'd have him You're in the just lineup. You're giving things away. You've changed. I think he's a stud. And so did the A's, and so did the Blue Jays, which is why they asked you for Lars Newpar in a potential trade for a catcher this offseason. But you seem to forget that, Jamie. No. And I hope Lars reminded you of that yesterday when he hit that two-run tater. Yeah. No, he reminded me that he's a part of a very good group of outfielders. Right now, your outfield, if you're, unfortunately, Dylan Carlson here is having a rough patch uh, again. Oh, for go for a couple of Ks and his return on Friday. Tyler O'Neill's been hitting the ball hard again, and um, Alec Burleson continues to be a name that finds his way in the lineup because he's hitting the ball well. Jordan Off Walker. His leg. Well, he did. Jordan Walker. He's had a very, very, very good start to his young career. Lars Newbar with a good game yesterday. Uh, so you've got a number of guys 
they're playing well. So for me, it's not that I don't want Lars Newbar in the lineup. I want there to be a continuous hunger from these guys. I don't want to just have one guy handed the opportunity and no matter what, he's in there. I want to, there it's good to be pushed. It's good to be, you know, to be held accountable. Anthony. Okay. What does that mean, Jamie? Lars Newport tonight goes o for gopher. He's yeah. not in the lineup tomorrow. Is that, is that how you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, Siberia. No, Get out of here. It's beautiful this time of year. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Um, not, is it ever? I mean, is Siberia ever beautiful? Uh, in the summer times, I think. I, look, I've never been there in the summer. I did inquire on a couple things because when I was in Siberia, it was it was pitch blackout for like. Almost the entire, there's like two hours of barely daylight. It was miserable. Uh, people, I'm sure, are great, if I can understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so the summertime, I don't know what the summertime looks like in Siberia. Is it still cold? I can't, part, I can't part. imagine that it would be considered to be, um, you know, warm. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's uh, anything like that. Okay. Pardon my ignorance. That's why I'm asking. No, you're fine, Anthony. Anyways. Ish. Anyways, uh, but no, Lars. For me, holding a guy accountable is not just one game. It's it's you see patterns, and if he's not hitting the ball hard, if he's uh, swinging at pitches outside the zone, if he's not identifying uh, pitches that are, are available to him, putting a good swing on a on a good pitch, then you got to take a look back and go, okay, I got other guys here. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was a year ago where we were just rolling out the same three guys no matter what the result was. You have options now. And that's why I believe that you need to continuously use these options so that, one, uh, nobody gets so comfortable that they become complacent, and, two, nobody feels like they're ever completely out of it and they don't want to put the work in now because there's no chance of seeing the lineup unless there's an injury, and then you got guys sitting there you know, quietly hoping for injuries. Yeah, That's not healthy either. It's a it's a pro, it's a it's a good problem to have when you have the the, the outfield setup that you do. Dylan Carlson has, has not been in, impressive. Uh, it certainly wasn't impressive over the weekend, but you also know the, the the talent that's there, and you know that he's a young hitter and he's still trying to adjust to the league here, even though he's been in the league a couple of years now. You got to throw out the pandemic year that was weird for everybody. Injuries plagued him last year. Tyler O'Neill is starting a trend in the right direction of late, but you've got this young potential superstar in Jordan Walker, so he's going to be in the lineup. Alec Burleson has been stinging the ball. You got to kind of, I mean, to me, you got to at some point you got to kind of set set yourself up with with three guys that you know are going to be consistent so that they can get in a bit of a groove here. I think that's the one challenge that Ali Marmel has. Yeah, I think you also have to set a standard though, too, Anthony. Can't just give guys, you know, whatever. Set the standard. Did Lars Newbar set the standard last year when he was raking? What standard? He was, it was for a hot minute. What's the standard? We got a good text here, months. Anthony. I think you'll like this one. Okay. Actually, from the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. From the 314. Apparently, Anthony just needs to see a guy uh do great one year before he's ready to insert him in the lineup every day and give him an extension like he was saying the same thing after Tyler <laughs> O'Neill's fluke season. You know what? You're right, 314. You're right. Let me remind everybody that was in <laughs> that 
it was, in fact, Jamie. Wanted, who wanted to give Tyler O'Neill the extension? I said, "Prove it. Show, make him show it again. Make him Sh- prove it again. Show me the receipts." I think we have them, Jamie. Go find them. I'm not going to do that. It's going to take a while. Not all that confident, are you? I'm very confident that you were, you and BT, in fact, were arguing with me about giving Tyler O'Neill a, a contract extension. Oh, now you're dragging after- Brad, who does not even have a voice today. Oh, he'll have a voice. He has plenty of voices. Not on this show today. Plenty of opportunities. I'll bring this back up when he joins us, and I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to say, Jamie, you're absolutely right. Anthony wanted to give Tyler (laughs) O'Neill an extension. That's fine. I know the truth. All right? That was Jamie. Lars Newport's in my lineup consistently until he proves otherwise. Same thing with Jordan Walker. Alec Burleson, Burleson continues to, to hit well. So you're only holding three guys accountable. No. That's what you said. Are you going to take are you going to take Jordan Walker out of the lineup right now? Right now. If he has a couple I'm talking of talking about right now. Well, why don't you take him out now? He's he's hitting okay. Thank you. Alec Burleson. Can I take him out? No, not right now. But Anthony, your your automatic suggestion is is ridiculous. Who the hell what the hell have these guys ever done? You can't be automatic. It's automatic until it's not automatic. What the hell? That means, if I'll explain that to you, it means a couple of games where things aren't right. They don't look right. They're not getting hard contact. They're not swinging the bat the right way. Then it's not automatic. You can't just be like, oh, it's fine. No, it's not. They ha- the, the back of their baseball card doesn't give them that luxury yet. Keep them going. Keep cycling these guys through. You got to find a way to get Dylan Carlson going, or you got to move on from him. How about he gets himself going at some point? Okay, well then. How about he starts to hit? Fine. Dylan Carlson has to find a way to uh, push the argument that he belongs in center field. Yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't hasn't. done that. I know. And I like DC, but he hasn't. The rest of the outfield has to continue to compete for at-bats, for playing time. Whether it's in the outfield or at the DH position, where old Burley here finds himself in there. Why? Because he continues to hit. You can't, in my opinion, this outfield is not set enough with players that deserve to just be given the opportunity. I understand the way you're phrasing it. I understand the way you're phrasing it. But there's this thing called reality, Jamie. And DC sits slugging 250. Why are you focused on compared DC? to Lars who's slugging care. 714? I don't, your argument is ridiculous. I'm not even saying it's DC against Lars. I want to win. I'm saying what? I want to win. Okay, great, Anthony. I'm happy for you. The best players help you win, not automatic players. I'm done with this conversation. I bet you are. Or do you just want to go back to Dylan Carlson? Go back to that one again. No. Because that's the bench. only argument you have. Why don't we just well, bench guys? Dylan Carlson. Who are you going to bench? You just or said you're not. Just, why don't we just bench guys that uh, are, you know, are, are hitting two-run shots like Lars? Why don't we just give guys uh, every opportunity? Let's do the old Mike Schilt. You play no matter what. I don't care. You're all for 37. Mike Schilt. He's my guy. Had Matt, Matt, a, a, a bad Matt Carpenter on the bench. He had nothing. Yeah. Poor Schilty. Competition breeds success. So does scoring runs. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's success. All right. <sighs> I think it'll play itself out. Probably. It's fascinating on 101 ESPN. play, according to Anthony. Well, one guy I think we can uh, we can all agree on. Starting to heat up a little bit. 
Tell you that is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Shot into shallow right center field, down for a hit. Walker late break off third. Here he comes. Cardinals extend the lead. Contreras comes through to make it two nothing. Wilson Contreras, the uh, big offseason acquisition by the Cardinals. Had a tough go to start. We're going to get into that now here in the fast lane of 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here alongside Anthony Stalter and Andrew Marsh. So yeah, the Cardinals in the offseason. Uh, their big splash was Wilson Contreras. Look at the uh, the retiring of Yadier Molina. You, you needed to go out there and get one of the best catchers available, and there were several other catchers available via trade. But the asking price, Anthony, was elevated to the point where John Mozeliak didn't feel comfortable giving up the assets necessary to acquire one of these other catchers. So, like Lars Newbar. Yes. Well, you're right. Uh, so, the next best thing, free agent. Who is the best free agent catcher available? And that was Wilson Contreras. Mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras uh, started the season off rough for the Cardinals. High expectations. He comes in with nothing but respect for the Cardinals organization. Talked about how competing against the Cardinals always brought out a fire and a passion inside of him because he respected you know, the Cardinal way and how they do things. Also, his uh, ton of respect for Yadier Molina. And he skipped the World Baseball Classic to get down to spring training, work with the pitchers, and get to know the team and and become that, that ultimate Cardinal. Because he's going to be here for five years, $85 million later. He wanted to be the guy. Didn't start off great from though, Anthony. No, it certainly didn't, Jamie. And BT had mentioned this last week. We had, we had brought this up several times now because I think he phrased it perfectly. He was trying to earn his contract on every swing. Wilson Contreras isn't the only one that has struggled early on, too, in the, in their Cardinals their Cardinals career. Jason Hayward, when he was acquired in the offseason for, uh, was it Shelby Miller, I think, at that point? It was a one-year, he only had one year le- left on his, in arbitration or his contract, wherever it was, and he struggled mightily in April. And he wound up having a really good career, really good season for the Cardinals, one of the reasons why I and others at the time talked about bringing him back. Cardinals wanted to bring Hayward uh, to, to St. Louis, wanted to bring him back, and Cubs wound up offering him less, but he was interest, interested in the, a lot of the prospects that were coming up for Chicago, wound up winning, winning, winning a World Series with them. But ultimately, he struggled in April. Paul Goldschmidt struggled not only in April, he struggled for most of the first half before you know when, when he became a Cardinal. In October. Jamie, really? What? Come on. He did. Bottom line is Paul Goldschmidt's been a very good Cardinal for you. Fantastic. Just not in October. Wilson Contreras. You shut your mouth. Wilson Contreras. <laughs> you're not wrong. Contreras struggling early on. Not he's not he's not the first to become a Cardinal and then kind of struggle a little bit. He's trending in the right direction. Two for four with a double and a walk against the Pirates yesterday. The double, Jamie was hit at 115.1 miles per hour. That's hard. That's hard indeed, Jamie. Well said. That is just 1.1 miles per hour off his career high. Anybody say, oh, who cares? 
I care. When you're starting to hit the ball well, hit the ball hard, you're hitting it on the barrel most of the time, which means your swing your swing is starting to, to come around in terms of you know the timing of it. You're flattening it out. You're too. flattening it out. Good. Nice stroke That's through right. the ball. Short two, long through, Jamie. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You want to be short to the ball. Extension wants to be long, though. Okay? Your follow-through needs to be long. Very well said. Thank you. Only the problem was the exit velocity of the hits, or not the hits, but, you know, making contact. It was the the pitch recognition. You're swinging at bad pitches. He was swinging at bad pitches. Obviously, you're not going to get a reading on the exit velocity when you're missing the ball. Well, and hey, hey, Marsh, I'm just saying. What, what is your deal? I'm just saying. He's quiet he for like three segments. He, 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 he comes out swinging. At, comes off the at, top rope for this balls one. that would have been maybe ball four. You know, I, I mentioned a pretty interesting stat there, Marsh. You pretty did. interesting stat. It for was you. very interesting. Hey, I don't think that's the issue. I never. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying. You look at it that way, but yeah, you're right, Anthony. You know, City SC wins five to one. Your Cardinal Salvage is split against the Pirates, and he's still ticked off at the the Battle Hawks losing. So he's got a crap on my statistic here about Wilson Contreras. Anthony, I was double screening it yesterday, watching this Cardinals team almost blow it yesterday. I, I choose to look at it as they and they, then they, they win. Won. They, they win, resilient. and I'm like, yeah. wow, this is what a great feeling. And then I and then I looked at the other TV, and I see the Battle Hawks. Just not being able to put together, you know, a good offensive run there in the fourth quarter. Well, the defense couldn't get off the field. Marsh, make a tackle once I, in a while. I, you're making, I'm sorry you're to making be, my point. The fundamentals are uh, so sorry. Not there. No, sorry, you I watched it. that game and I go, you know what? I'm actually not that happy about this Cardinals win. I feel like there's a lot that uh, they left out on the field, especially on Saturday. Okay, fine. But Wilson Contreras is turning it around. You know what? Marsh. I did see that on Friday night, and I'm very excited. Um, I'm hoping that he can. Uh, Keep it going. What was it? Saturday's game, I think it was, where he he got himself a base hit and like he almost tore Stubby Clap's arm out of the socket. Went over to give the, mm-hmm. the high five and Stubby was like, Hey, how are you? Hey, yeah. good job. And he's like, Whap. Yeah. And Stubby's like, Oh my God. Like almost you broke his you hand. You, Stubby Clap gets it. Oh, no, he mm-hmm. gets it. Fine. He's more than he's more than willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. of himself for the Cardinals. He's durable. He is a big, strong guy. He's Darn way he's, better than the big, yeah. strong guy. We saw that in person. Mm-hmm. We did. Uh, but what my point is is that he had the weight of the world on his shoulders, Contreras, to where he he. Not that he's trying to erase the memory of Yadi or Molina, because that's not what I'm trying to say. But he's trying to uh, show Cardinal Nation like that. I know you lost Yadier Molina, but I'm here to be mm-hmm. the next guy. A lot of pressure on himself, I, I, and I don't think it's necessary. I don't think anybody expected whoever the next catcher was to come in and be Yadier Molina. Mm-hmm. And the, the the funny thing is, is that Contreras was expected to come in and just be a way better offensive version, right? Than Yadier Molina was, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen, and not right away. And I think that's where the pressure started to mount for Contreras is if I'm not Yachty behind the dish and I'm not Contreras when I'm swinging the bat. Who am I? Uh-oh. This feels like it's going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. And then you get in your own head. You Who know? is he? It's not good. Andrew Kisner? I didn't say it. You did. What the hell is Really nice bunt, though, from Kisner. That from was Kisner a great bunt. Over, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, nice bunt. Solid. What yeah. does it tell you yeah. when you've got bunt. the... Uh, when you, when you're a 
team you have that guy bunting there. Well, Jamie, early in the season, they had him bunting, and it didn't yeah. work out well. Yeah, so, he's a team player. That's what, what does he it is. tell you about him, the, the team selecting him to bunt there? Uh, Jamie, I think uh, the act uh, in and of itself says uh, all you need to know. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're worried about moving runners over. Yeah. That's, that's what I got out of it. Whitey that's Ball. What, that's what they're playing. Mm-hmm. Darn right. Yeah. yeah. If only they could maybe knock some of those runners in. Well, they did yesterday, Marsh, well, and that's did. the point. Mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras also heating up. That's negative. another point. He's been negative all segment here. It's really weird. Wait until Wilson Contreras starts hitting the ball well, too. He's starting there. He's getting there. Mm-hmm. He's, still, he's, still at the, he's still at the Mendoza we're line waiting. at 200. But wait till this guy starts hitting the ball oh, well. Waiting. That competitive fire, you're going to love him. Mm-hmm. You're going to love him. He's going to be your Cardinal, Jamie, and your Cardinal, Marsh. I never said He that. is my Cardinal. I, I love Wilson Contreras. It's the fast lane at 101 you're ESPN. Not sounding like it. Not one bit. Didn't sell me at all on that. 314-399-9646 is the Your Comfort Service text line. If you have a question, send it there. We'll hit it in our Sports 6 back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. If you want to play Beat the Streak against us, Text in uh, after this segment, 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. To play Beat the Streak, just say, just text in BTS, and you'll have an opportunity. We uh, we had our guy lose the yeah. Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, Chris lost, and he sent a Sorry. nice text Sorry, message, Chris. too. Um, just appreciative that we had him on the show. Hmm. Chris, who did he pick again? You were fantastic. Do we know who he picked? He had Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie let him down? Mm-hmm. Remember when Jamie was making fun of Chris, too, for going with chalk? We did. Mm-hmm. Then he went over. Wow. <laughs> Told you. Where are we at now, Marsh? Uh, so, Jamie is leading the pack. Juggernaut. Um, he is at nine right now. Juggernaut Jamie, we call him. <laughs> Stuff's easy. Uh, I'm at eight. <laughs> uh, and, Anthony, you are currently at four. All right. So, uh, we'll see if we can continue that tonight. There you go. All right, time for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. All right, so earlier in the show, we were talking about the Blues and uh, if there's been a culture change amongst the young athletes. Jamie, you said that Army needs to go out and look for players that, that you know, hate to lose. They have that mentality. Uh, from the 314, this texture asked, what about the players that we already have on the team that don't do that, that don't have that uh, mentality? I almost said mentality. Uh, that don't have that mentality you should of go, hating If you're lose. not feeling quite like yourself, Marshy, mm-hmm. yeah. you should stop by and visit mentality because it um, doesn't matter if you're 40, 50, you could be 20. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. You, low testosterone's mm-hmm. a real thing, Marshy. Okay. Mentality. LowTUSA.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... The current players on your roster, How? what if you have those guys on your roster that aren't competing every day? The, the demands get higher for those players. And you may have to move on from said players. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're playing poorly and like, oh, you're trying to get rid of them and like nobody wants those players. It might be somebody who is coming off a rather successful season or a good season and you're just like, you know what? This is not the right fit here anymore. 
ultimately, you'd like to... The guys you have currently under long-term contracts, you'd like them to fall under the umbrella of competing every day. I think the players are saying all the right things right now. So for me, it's getting into the summertime and seeing, you know, what young guys or what veteran guys come back early and get with the trainer and get on the ice early and work on things and not go on 10 vacations throughout the summer. I there's a certain level of commitment that, that comes with winning. And I can tell you this firsthand. The team in 2018-2019, the offseason leading up to that season, they were almost a full squad practicing for a month to a month and a half before training camp even started. The demands for uh, hard work and competitiveness were there. So now you just need to get back to that. You have a, you have a few of the pieces still left over. Uh, Robert Thomas is left over from that group, and he's a young guy. He's going to be influential. How Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo approach the offseason, as well as the beginning of next season, will be instrumental in how this team rolls. Because a lot of people right now are looking at the contract. Does a contract meet, you know, what our expectations are? Or does a contract, are they going to play up to said number of millions of dollars? Maybe, maybe not, statistically. But if they can come out and compete every single day and show that they're going to work hard and be a part of this team, then you can handle that. And I think that's what people want to see. Can the Will the young guys with the big contracts show up and do all the hard work? So it's a big offseason for them. Question number two. From the 636, what's some of the weirdest or funniest fan experiences you guys have had? Thanks. Uh, so in Toronto, I'll never forget this, playing in Maple Leaf Gardens, which, by the way, it's a, it's a historical building. It was amazing. Um, there was no separation between the end of the bench and the stands. <laughs> You're sitting at the end of the bench, and the guy who had that seat is sitting right beside you. <laughs> and so I remember getting benched in Toronto. It's hard to believe Mike Keenan benched me. Um, Doesn't sound like him. And the uh, I'd sit been sitting there for most of the first period. Second period kind of sort of played. And the third period found myself back at the end of the bench next to this guy sitting there. And he was a season ticket holder. And uh, I started eating some of his popcorn with him. Then he offered to go buy me a hot dog. and whatever. You're having a conversation with a fan. And he's willing to purchase me thing, purchase things from the concession stand for me. I'm dipping my hand into his popcorn, and we're talking. You guys became lifelong friends. It was, it was hilarious. I was like, this guy's awesome. So that's one of the funny things that has happened with, with fans. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is, uh, well, not funny at all, but I got to experience some fans and some players and some ruckus at the uh, Malice at the Palace in oh, Detroit. Yeah. Auburn, actually, it's Auburn Hills, which is not not Detroit. But it's a suburb of Detroit, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I I was there covering the the Pistons for WDFN, the Detroit radio station. So I was there. Not fun, but I have also told the story about how I wound up at the Michigan Appalachian State game, where Appalachian State pulled off one of the biggest upsets in college football history and lo and behold we got we got the tickets didn't we we didn't know but we were, we got the tickets and we were in the same section as the Appalachian State family base hmm. they were not family base the fan their family so um we started off the like the day like oh you know hey 
It's going to be a fun, yeah, look, it's going to be a fun day. You guys are going to enjoy it. They were like, ah, we, you know, we kind of know how this goes. Kind of a blood donor game. And by the end of it, I got to admit, even though we were there to root on Michigan, I was like, I kind of want to see history now. And by the end of it, we were like high-fiving the families and stuff like that as their kids pulled off the upset. That's a pretty big upset. Yeah. I will say a funny story about my brother who came to visit me in Russia. I've told a few funny stories about (laughs) this experience, but uh, he joined me, which, by the way, he just came on a road trip with me. I didn't ask the coaches or the general manager. I did. (laughs) My brother showed up. My brother. And then he just got on the bus with us. I mean... The coach was Any like, questions? he was like, like, I could tell you, he's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't worry, Sean. It's my brother's name. I go, I always just get me in my own room. They don't have a roomie with anybody. They just like to keep me in the dark at all times. I don't know what's going on. So you come on the road with me. Well, we end up going to play a game in Yaroslava and our fans travel mm-hmm. and they're crazy. They're some of the craziest fans in all of the Russian Super League, like fights all the time, and like craziness just surrounds them. I've shown you guys a few videos mm-hmm. before. It's nuts. Well, I'm skating around a warm up, and I look over, and there's my brother sitting in the middle of all these nutcase fans. He's no idea what's going on. They're throwing <laughs> things. The flare guns are going. They're like everything's nuts. I look over. He's just like straight face, like fear of God in his face right now. Sure. So then he, um, he was wearing his own jacket at the time. So then I kind of flagged him down, and he came over to the bench, and I went to the locker room, and I gave him my Spartak jacket. I'm like, you might want to wear this if you're going to sit with those people so that they know you're one of them. <laughs> Here, you're going to need yeah, this. He was like, good idea. Yeah, thank I go, you. But take it off when you're walking around other parts of the building. That's great. I think for me, I was in North Dakota at the time, and I was working for UND Athletics. And at the time, I was uh, like a cameraman doing stuff for uh, the YouTube page. And uh, I was in the penalty box on the North Dakota side, but on the other side, um, obviously, was the, the visitor's penalty box. And next to that was a certain fan that had an entire booklet full of information on the other team. And he sat right next to the penalty box, and there was a, probably a few inches. I can see where this is going. A oh, few yeah. inches of like open, like glass meets the you know the yeah. other glass. And the voice bounces off the glass too, so you and can he, hear it clearly. He is in the corner, like up against it, just chirping the you know what out of these players. And some of the stuff he was saying, like it reminded, like the whole Anthony Rendon thing, yeah. reminded me of this situation, and you could hear from like where I was, what he was saying. Sure. And at one point he got a player and he would never like call anybody names, but he knew a ton of different information that would get to the point where one player ended up taking his water bottle and like squirting it at this kid. And since then it's been like, uh, they passed it down. So when I got there as a freshman, it was one guy, he ended up passing it down to someone else. And obviously I'm not there anymore. I don't know if they do that anymore, but it was like a, a role that someone had sitting right next to the penalty box and i thought it was i thought it was awesome i I could never do it but yeah you know that's cool it is what it is (laughs) question number three uh from the 618 do any of you guys see a little bit of lance berkman and alec burleson oh yeah could be a body double yeah i could see that (laughs) seriously i could see that for sure right yep if you if you shaved his beard and you lined those two up side by side. Yeah, he's, here to, he's already got the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see Should it. we call him the it. little Puma? We got the big Puma. 
the little Puma. That'd be a good one or for Or Big him. Puma 2.0. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. We could do that. Or that Big like- Puma Jr. Because he's not really nah, little. He, no, he, yeah. Nah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that seems wordy. Big Puma Jr. Mm, yeah, like, there's a lot. Yeah, you're mm. the nickname guy. You can probably yeah, help out with yeah. that. Miles Michael should have listened to you. Wouldn't have been struggling. Yeah. No. If he accepted the If he the acted moose. more like a moose right now, he'd yeah. be just fine. Berkman. Instead of a manatee. Yeah. <laughs> I got a chance to meet Lance Berkman and, and play on the same. We had like the celebrity softball. Uh, oh, is that, when he, is that when he asked you for pointers on hitting? Yeah, he did. It was great. Yeah. You're a big help to him. That's <laughs> big inspiration yeah, in his life, Jamie. That was really nice Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. Marsh, you were there. You, were, you emceed it that night. What, what is it? The softball. We had like oh, a, the... the uh, like a rock and jock softball. Yeah, car shield. Car, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Berkman. That was before I even worked at 101. That's right. Yeah. yeah, you're just yeah, you're just, just there emceeing. Yeah. I was the uh, I worked for the uh, River City Rascals at mm-hmm. that point, who are no longer a team there though. Fallon Hoots now. That's but, right. Uh, Super nice guy, Bergman was. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I met Marsh that night. I had no idea who he was. No. Oh, Marshy. <laughs> How did he treat you, Marshy? Uh, you so know, I Anthony's remember been walking away to, you and know. being like, "Man, that Anthony Stalter, I didn't like his attitude." <laughs> no, <laughs> Anthony was great. <laughs> great, Anthony guy. was great. Got Question number four. Eh, a little bit. Uh, from the 314, good evening, gentlemen. Good With evening all of the you. hoopla good evening. over the attendance of the Battlehawks, does the XFL need the Battlehawks to make the playoffs in order for this introduction of XFL 2.0 to be considered a success? Ooh, Anthony, that's a good question. It certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, yeah, it doesn't hurt. I mean, the TV, yeah, the TV ratings alone, because St. Louis is, I, I haven't seen the update updated like TV rankings, but I have to imagine St. Louis is number one. So, uh, need in order to play next year? No, because I've already committed to it, but again, it, it certainly wouldn't hurt. They got to figure out. I, I, I think they do, because if you look at the other division, you have who? Houston? Who you have, cares? Yeah, you have Houston. Arlington? Yeah. Uh, who who cares? Like, maybe Seattle. Like, obviously, Seattle and St. Louis are pushing for that second spot. The two most, I'd say, impressive XFL organizations is St. Louis and mm-hmm. D.C. And those two teams would line up to play each other in, right. in the playoffs. And I feel like the XFL needs that. They absolutely need it. Honestly, yeah, I'm they not probably argue need it. that to be the, the championship game. But... Yeah. You know, at least they at least need that to be a, a matchup or a matchup in the XFL playoffs. So get it done. Battle Hawks and Vipers. And I know we like, you know, we like crapping on XFL teams, especially the Vegas Vipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the worst we, facilities in uh, not only the XFL, but probably in sports. We need them. We need them this weekend to beat the Sea Dragons. Yeah, we do. Because we couldn't finish our business yesterday. Like, I'm glad DC showed up in their fans showed out you know what i'm saying like I, I want the xfl to to succeed uh not only here in st louis but throughout the country because if the xfl does succeed that means we succeed here in st louis we get to keep watching this team play we get to keep going to the games and whatnot uh so i think it's good that dc had a, had a sellout this weekend hopefully yeah. other teams can follow that so but you know we shall see. We That's shall. your Sports 6 back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. The biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right.
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. That's right, time for the biggest question of the day here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stoltz. What do we got, Marsh? Oh, you know, I had a question earlier. But this other one that came in, we got multiple text messages from the Air Comfort Service text line. Where are Anthony's soccer notes? Oh, wow. Seriously. We even talked about that earlier. What the hell are you doing? Where are the Stalter soccer notes? Well, Anthony, where are they? I didn't write them this week. That's a lie. That is. Let's go. You guys want some notes? Yes! I got some notes for you. City SC 5-1 winner over Cincinnati, right? Well, I do the notes without knowing what the final score is. I write them as I see them, and that's why uh, I think some soccer fans appreciate it, some non-soccer fans appreciate it, and um, some diehard soccer fans hate me. Here we go. That's how you start off a game right there. Cincinnati leaves the back post run route. I don't know if it's a run or a route, Jamie. I'm learning soccer. The the back post run. Back post route. I'm going to say route. I think it's a route. Maybe it's just my football brain talking. Hmm. Cincinnati leaves the back post route wide open, and it costs them. Jared Stroud is wide open for a shot attempt, and he nails it. Cincinnati clearly paid too much attention to the deflection, and it costs them big time. You have to body on. You have to get a body on Stroud, Jamie. That's what happened on that first goal. City with another huge opportunity on the uh, counter play. 9:42 into the game as Alm feeds Jared Stroud, but this time Cincinnati's keeper makes a save. It's early, but it looks like City is exploiting this defense from Cincinnati. Man, Leuven with a free free kick that he sails just wide. City is dominating the action right now. They just have to keep it up. Keep those shots going. Keep the scoring chances. There. They're going to turn into goals. <laughs> Boom! Just like we were say, saying, Leuven gets another opportunity. doesn't waste it. But the play was set up by Nelson, who somehow kept his control and his balance to weave through a defense that had five players in it and, and around the top of the 18. I don't know what that is. If they said it on Apple TV. <laughs> he still delivers the touchback to... Giacchini into negative space, then Leuven delivers off the deflection. Incredible. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now with this football match on the pitch? How about the play from Clawsdale? Cincinnati is set up well defensively, but the Clawsdale heads the ball back to Stroud, who fires the ball back into the middle of the pitch. And then Hebert, our guy, sees the Cincinnati's defender starting to look to see where the secondary runner is coming from, peels off the back shoulder of the Cincinnati defender, Puts a perfect header into the net. It's 3-0 City. Awesome. Holy soccer balls. This is a route. <laughs> Turnover by Cincinnati in their end. City makes a couple of key passes, including Alms' perfect feed to Giochini with nothing but daylight in front of them. The outside mids for City were questioned coming into this game, and City clearly believed its speed would be the difference. And guess what? They were right. Perfect def- effort, perfect execution tonight from the boys. Incredibly, incredibly kind of City to score one of to score one for Cincinnati, so that they don't question their existence on the plane ride back home. That's showing kindness right there. That's the City way. Clausdale with a couple of missiles at Celentino before the game wraps. That's all Celentino needs right now. Two cannon shots by Clausdale after the night he's had. He has to be questioning whether or not his own teammates like him after City SC roasted him for five tallies. And then, hey, 
Here's a parting gift before you go. A couple of 100-mile-per-hour piss rockets from Clawsdale. <laughs> nice save, though, nonetheless. And that'll do it. Extremely proud of the boys tonight. We've been hard on them the last couple of weeks, but we. this is why huh. we never stop believing. We believe they were and are capable of more. And while sometimes you need to pat the guys on the butt and tell them to get them next time, the other times, I'll keep it clean. Sometimes they need, you know, more, Jamie. What's that motion? Kick in the ass. Oh. You need a kick in the ass. Oh, okay. Excellent effort tonight. Suck at MLS. Yes. From City. Well done, Anthony. Thanks. Well done. Yeah. Well I took done. I took uh, I took the, you know some people's criticism to heart last weekend. Said, "How can mm-hmm. I improve these notes? How can I make them uh, appeal to everybody? Not yeah. just not just the uh, the beginners, the yeah. soccer beginner uh-huh. like me." Um, and I like the way they came out. So, Anthony, I really liked your analytical approach on that. Thanks. Uh, yeah. You know, the lingo was, was spot on. It was good. In my I'm opinion. Learning. I'm learning. You did a really good job. You know, Anthony. and you know what? City, they didn't have, they didn't win because uh, Klaus Dale got in people's nightmares either. They no, just won oh, on the pitch. He may have. He may have. He may have. Oh, wait. Did I have the one known in there? Uh, 314 asks, who is Klaus Dale? Well, that is Klaus who plays for City SC, and uh, we've we've mentioned here on the show several times that he's no thoroughbred. He's more of a Clydesdale. So he, uh, in return, blended together, he is our Klausdale. What do you have to do to I had another... be a one-person name? You know, have just one name. Oh, like, uh, like who? Like Klaus. Yeah. Like, sometimes I look at the... This, you know, the, the starting lineup for, for City, and, you know, they'll have everybody's name on there, but, but like, Klaus, is, it just says Klaus. Yeah, that's all it should say. Like, how do you get to be a one-person? Like, is there a requirement yeah, you do. for the one-person name? You're six-foot-four or six-foot-five, and you absolutely dummy people out there on the soccer pitch. You look like a wounded animal yeah. out there just scratching and clawing your way through other teams' lineups, and when you get your opportunity, you put the ball in the back of the net. That's how you do it, Andrew. Guys, I gotta apologize. I know I had a note in there about how Alm drew up the perfect play in which he hit the post and then off had the that ricochet right off the goal, the, the keeper's dome. Mm-hmm. It's just how you draw it up. I don't see it in my notes, though. I, I know I, I know I typed him up, but that was one of the plays of the night. Alm off the post, and then therefore off the back of the keeper's domicile. Yeah, um, what's, who's the guy, Akalin? No, what was it? Um, Giacchini? Giacchini. I thought he should have passed a Klausdale on that play. He, I mean, it's, play? Well, they have that nice little set play where they move the ball up, and the SC player just kind of, you know, bumps it into open field, and, mm-hmm. uh, why do I keep forgetting? Giacchi- Giacchini? Giacchini yeah. has it. With two defenders on him and the goalie straight out at him, and Klausdale's wide open. All he has to do is just outside foot it over to him, and he bangs it into the, the open net. I mean, he scored. It was great. But what if he didn't? That was a tight margin right there to, to put it in. I thought for sure, it, like the easy play is to tap over to Klaus, and he puts it in mm-hmm. the empty net. I thought that was a perfect no. feed. 
It and worked. he had nothing but daylight. The two defenders were behind him. Yeah, but him, he didn't really have daylight because the... he went right by the like on the strong side where the goalie is. It was a beautiful Chiochini goal. Chiochini ran right past those two guys and left them in his dust. It was a beautiful goal, Anthony. You're missing my point. I guess so. Is that he could have just bumped it over to Klaus for an empty netter. I mean, from yeah, from your advantage point as you're watching it on TV... This guy's actually in the game. Yeah, I, in the match. Really? Sorry, he's in the match. And if the goalie saves that, and it's a one-goal game in the playoffs, and Klaus is wide open with an open net, then you'll be like, well, I mean, why didn't he pass that? But now you're okay. I thought that was Your a hell of a play. I thought, I thought that was a great play overall. I thought it was a great play, too. You're totally hmm. screwing this up. But whatever. Turnover, turnover in their own end. Perfect feed from Alm. Gio, Gio Chini with nothing but daylight in front of him. Come on. Made the play. Uh, I got the answer to my question about the one-named players. Uh, from the 618, Brazilian players often go by one name, like Pele. From the 314, it's a Brazilian thing. Last name only. Hmm. I guess it's a Brazilian thing. You ever do that Brazilian thing, Anthony? No, sir. Not one bit. Hmm. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We'll uh, tell you what you missed and play Beat the Streak next on 101 trying it. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Streaking! I want to hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time for Beat the Streak here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Marsh, before we welcome in our new listener, because we need a new listener for Beat the Streak, why don't you go ahead and update those those uh, rankings here. All right. Jamie is our leader right now. His current streak is at nine. The last person he went with, which was on Friday, was Nolan Gorman. I'm right behind Jamie with eight. My last person was Brian Reynolds. Anthony, you're at five right now. You had Jihuan Bay was your guy on Friday. And unfortunately for Chris, he had Paul Goldschmidt, who went over on Friday. I don't which know why I chose him. We have a new guy in Mike. Mike is our next contestant on Beat the Street. What's up, Mike? Welcome into the Fast Lane. How are you? I'm good, boys. How you doing? Doing all right, my man. You ready to beat the streak here with us? Hell yeah, I'm ready. All right, so unfortunately for you, there's no other zero for uh, the streak. So you're going to pick last tonight, but I, I know you can handle it. So hang All tight. Right. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> boy. So hang tight. Listen to who we choose, and then it'll be your turn last. But Jamie's our leader, so Jamie gets first dibs. Jamie, All right. who's going to get a hit tonight? Well, unfortunately, Dylan Carlson's not in the lineup, so there goes my pick. Um, but... Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sticking with my guy, Stormin Gorman. Guy's awesome. Yeah. All right. Nolan Gorman off the board. Marsh, you're up next. Yeah, I'm going to pick another guy that I think you might go with, Anthony, and he plays Brandon on the Donovan. Diamondbacks. Oh. Um, he, in the last seven games, is 8 for 24. He's got two home runs, five ribbies. Corbin Don't Carroll? let him get on base. He's got uh, one. Actually, I'm looking at strikeouts. I thought he had seven stolen bases. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, but he's hitting 333 right now. Corbin Carroll is my guy. The rookie. The rook. All right. I'm going to go with Brennan Donovan. 
I think Brendan Donovan gets Chalk. a hit. Chalk, really, Jamie? Come on. I'm sorry. Brendan Donovan. Right. One base hit tonight. Extend the streak. All right, Mike, your turn. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nolan Arenado. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Love the inflection. All right, Mike, I hope to talk Mike to you again tomorrow. It. Nice job, Mike. Thank you. Right on. Thanks, guys. All right, you we'll, got call, it, we'll call you tomorrow when uh, Nolan Arenado gets himself a hit. Good stuff. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that's Mike for Beat the Street. Good stuff there. I love when I would love when listeners mix in things from the show. We hear that a lot with the gauntlet. Mike yeah. just did it. They get it, Jamie. They do. They get us. Our listeners are great. They are. Absolutely. All right. If you miss anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast. Available at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We chatted with our guy Kyle Hebert today, learned about how they, the uh, City SC attacked Cincinnati on Saturday night, learned about how he set up he, he uh, set up his positioning to score the one goal, one of five for City SC. So our thank you to Kyle Hebert, who again joined us earlier today. We talked a lot of Cardinals, talked Nolan Gorman, talked uh, <laughs> Nolan, Nolan Gorman. We talked about <laughs> Lars Newbar. We talked about the pitching, Jordan Hicks, and how big of an issue the Cardinals have, not only on the field with Jordan Hicks, but with the service time, not being able to send him down. A lot of Cardinals talk throughout the course of the day, and Jamie had some great nuggets on the Blues, including some of the off-ice things and how they can change things up heading into the offseason. So, again, it's all available at the podcast. Marsh, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, from the 636 Ribs, they said, you got a new contract on the morning show. Congratulations. Look forward to listening. Thank you very and much. New contract, not on the morning show. You're still with the fast lane. But right, yeah. Contract with 101 and Hubbard Radio. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, obviously a great group here at Hubbard Radio, starting with John Kioski, Tommy Madden working their way down. Uh, it's great to be back here for another couple of years with you knuckleheads. Um, I love doing the show. I love the fact that. Uh, they wanted me to keep going here, so hopefully we keep this thing keep this thing on the rails or off the rails, depending yeah. on what day of the week it is. That's right. But I no. appreciate it very much. Uh, Jamie, congratulations, man. Outstanding. Well-deserved. You work incredibly hard and looking forward to the uh, next couple of years, man. Me too, buddy. Thank you. And, uh, of course, from the 636, we had Pat on today for the gauntlet. I beat him in the gauntlet and apparently ruined his day. From the 636, Guy taught everyone a fun phrase, which was swag, and Marsh ruined his day. That's correct. And what did swag mean again? Scientific wild uh, ass, wild ass, ass guess. guess. Scientific yeah. wild ass guess. Thank you. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the, the trend continues of me just absolutely ruining taking souls yep Mm -hmm. Uh, the soul taker yeah there you go so all right everybody thank you thank you for listening thank you for participating in the show we'll be back tomorrow at two o'clock we got a blues season review show for the next hour that's coming up for andrew marsh and jamie rivers i'm anthony stalter again tomorrow we'll be right back here two o'clock uh talk about the cardinals game tonight and a whole lot more see you You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.